in the Doctor Who community, there's a term that they use sometimes where owing to various reasons, whether that's plot or availability of actors, sometimes you have uh, what's called a Doctor Light episode where the Doctor doesn't make much appearance and other stuff happens. And then you have Companion Light episodes. Maybe you got a bottle episode where he's on an airplane. Tonight is going to be a Companion Light episode. Which one of us is the companion? I'm the companion. How do you figure? Hmm. You don't think so? Told you. We've, we've discussed this before. You're the doctor. A, a, a meeting of equals. Yeah, you say that. Not in height, but mm. you know. Yeah. Mm, I'm out of it. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best tonight. I'm going to give it. I'm not going to leave anything on the tarp tonight. I'm going to do it all. You should be... Raring to go. Why? There's too many you had, things. You had an extra day for your homework. Your your life is not currently assailed by a devil dog like mine is, a literal devil dog. Oh, you have a precious angel. What are you talking about? She's doing this thing now at night that's killing us. Like I think I mentioned around dinner time, she decides that she needs to go out and pee like every five minutes. Mm. And it's just it's just it's insanity. Like, after dinner, you know, she's had her dinner, and then she better about, like, going by the door and maybe making a, a single whine noise. And when you hear that, you got to get her right outside, and then she goes and pees. You know, and you say, good job, and give her a treat. Bring her back inside, hang out for a while, five minutes, goes by the door, gets a concerned look on her face, makes a, a single little whine, whisk her outside, she pees again. This goes on for Is a ridiculous she, she just just pees a little bit? These are pretty big peas. Hmm. Like the, her peas is defying the laws of physics. Like I don't, I don't understand. I don't see this much water go into the dog, mm-hmm. and a tremendous amount comes out of the dog. It's like, well, your dog probably has a UTI. You need to take it to the vet. No, because <laughs> for the whole rest of the day, this doesn't happen. No hmm. problem. All day long, normal pee schedule in the morning. You know, like whatever. No problem. But at night, and then eventually, it tapers off where. She'll whine by the door, and she just wants to go outside so she can eat rabbit turds and eat insects and mm. eat things in the lawn. And you're like, okay, well, I've taken you out the last three times you whined, and you haven't done anything. So, guess you're done. But then if you think that, and she whines, and you don't take her out, she'll pee. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I think we just did five times we took her out, and like on the sixth, she peed. Hmm. It's killing us. Well... My first impulse, hmm. I mean, the obvious impulse is there's something environmental where there's something going on outside or there's something about the sun and warmth or something like that that triggers her. But I don't think that's it. I think she's looking for a pattern here. I think she's trying to do pattern matching. Well, I think she loves the lawn at night because there's insects and moths to bite at. Rabbit, and rabbit turds. Ra- more rabbit turds to eat. The rabbit turds are there during the day, too. But at night, the lawn becomes like her obsession. She just hmm. cannot get enough of it. But it's like, if you don't take her out and she whines, she will pee in the house. Like, so that's your choice. It's like, well, you don't want her to pee in the house. You I, want assume, her to I assume your yard's not fenced in? No, it's not. Yeah. Hmm. But if it was, we let her out there. She would just, I'm assuming, eat rabbit turds until she vomited. I'm assuming that's what would happen. Or dig giant holes in our lawn or whatever. So you can't just let her Do you think this is kids with dirty hands all over again, though? Maybe she needs to just get it out of her system. Uh, It's not like we're stopping her from eating the rabbit turds. For the most part, the problem is we get to know, like, do you have to pee or do you not have to pee? You know, it's like the the distinguishing between I have to pee and I saw a moth outside that I really, really want to eat. They're like, they're like identical. It's like, just keep taking her out over and over and over again. 
Now, what is it that they say? I know it varies by breed. The conventional wisdom used to be, and I know this is not accurate, the conventional wisdom used to be that your dog uh, aged seven years per human year. I've heard since then two things. One is that it varies a lot by breed, since smaller dogs tend to live longer, but also that the short version, I've, don't at me, don't email me, but suppose, supposedly the first year of your dog's life roughly gets it up to being like what, like a young teenager. And then depending on breed, but basically if your dog is less than a year old, so what are you dealing with right now? You've probably got the equivalent of like a six-year-old. I don't, I don't know the equivalent in, in human years. All, all, all I know is I want this dog to, to just, just chill Dog age like, calculator. I'll, t- I'll take you. I'll take you out five times after five p.m. I don't want to take you out five hundred times mm-hmm. after five p.m. It's too much. It's too much. I think it's reasonable to ask. Okay, so let's. Uh, how many months old is your dog? Uh, four-ish. Four months old. Give me the closest breed for your dog. Oh, I don't know. Oh, come on. Just try. It's a. She's a mix. You've seen her. She, she's kind she of a looks, beagle. She's kind of a maybe a terrier. She looks like a border border collie spaniel beagle thing. All right, we'll try beagle but, to start. But she's she's probably going to be beagleish size, but she looks more like a border collie or a spaniel. Okay, but a mini, miniature version. According to this pet food site that has something called a dog age calculator, <laughs> uh, in human years, your dog is five years old and is considered a puppy. She's a no. puppy, all right. Four months old. Four, oh, God, what is this typeface? Let's say you think she looks like, what did you say, like a, a, a shepherd? Or a, what did you say? Border collie. Oh, border collie. Right, 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 right. Okay, well, let's just border collie. Okay. According to the pet food site, dog, whoa, in human years, your dog is 35 years old? That's No, no, that can't be right. I hit the wrong <laughs> dingus. I hit the wrong dingus. Oh, this is bad. This is bad UI. Border collie. Bearded collie. Bearded collie. I don't like the sound of that. Border Collie, four months. Okay, <laughs> bearded, so collie and the, bearded Collie and the Infinite Sadness. <laughs> is that, that 1979 song? Is that on there? In human years, your dog is five years old and is considered a puppy. Yeah, so you're, no, dealing with, you're dealing with a five-year-old. You've got a kindergartner. According to the pet food site. She gets a little bit crazy in the nighttime. She gets a little bit of the nighttime crazies. Well, what do we know about five-year-olds? We know that five-year-olds go to kindergarten and that kindergarten, uh, like the PBS of that era, is about relationships with other people, learning uh, basic uh, expectations and responsibilities, how we act with others. Right? It's a pivotal year. It's a pivotal year for her. I don't. I don't like this analogy to humans. Five-year-olds can talk. She's just a dog. Like she's uh-huh. fine. She's mostly doing okay and other things. But it's like if we don't want the pee in our house, like this is this is what we have to. She had to tell you she had a big long streak. She had like a five or six day streak with no accidents in the house. Hmm. And then she, well, what, what do they call that? She, she had a fallback, a uh, recidivism. Well, but that five or six days was getting into the thing, you know, like it, 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 after eating dinner, we'd be taking her out like crazy. And eventually one time she made a whimpering noise and we weren't fast enough to get her out. And she oh, speed man. on the rug. She speed on the rug. It's like, like well, we're going to take you out. Like, give us, give us 15 seconds to, <sighs> I mean, it's got, it's good that she is whimpering and is by the door instead of just being like, la-di-da, I have to pee, I can pee wherever I want in the house. Like, she understands peeing in the house is not a thing that we do. Right. But well, you, you hope. She's got the urgency. She's got, she's, got a, she's got to pee. But if it is, if it is, pattern matching is not the right word, but we know that little kids 
what they don't think that they like boundaries, but that when boundaries are enforced in the right way, it's good for everybody. So if she's a kindergartner, I'm going to continue with this analogy because I think your doggy racism is frankly going a little bit far. You're, you're, you're racist about doggies, certain specific breeds, like they all look alike to you. <sighs> and then just in general, the way that the way you treat the doggos and the puppers is very, very distressing to me. The way you think of them, you look down on them, you don't think they're anything like a child. So I'm going to, I'm going to continue with this analogy. I don't know if she needs to do art, but I think, I think you could probably find some way to not always yield to this. You could even suffer a pee because I think you're yielding to her <laughs> too much. Terrible. This is terrible advice. It's not a, terrible, it's terrible advice. advice. It's B, not. You've got a uh, male answer syndrome going on here. I just wanted you to commiserate. Well, I, I have didn't a want reason. you to solve I have my a, problem. I'd be happy to explain to you why I have male answer syndrome. Because you're a man, baby. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Did So Two did you ends. see Baby Driver? No. Okay. All right. I'm not going to see that. I mean, I'm, take, I'm too busy taking my dog out. You know, you make this harder than it needs to be. You know you do that, did, right? You do I that. Did see, I did see a movie, though. What'd you see? We did, it's a, uh, because my wife was uh, away on a business trip, and on her business trip, Oh, she oh, went no, and saw it, before. right. This was before, not on the business trip. She, when she was uh, on vacation with the kids, she saw Wonder Woman. Uh, oh, no, she, yeah, she saw Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, that was the agreement. The agreement was she was going to see Spider-Man, and then you'd all see it together, right? Yeah, so she saw Spider-Man while she was away, and then I took the kids to see it once she got back, because then she was on dog duty. Uh, thought about having her come as well, but it just didn't work out that way. Anyway, so I did see a movie. Did they like I it? I saw Spider-Man. The kids? all right. I didn't ask I, you. I don't know. What, did the kids like it? I know you didn't like it, but I did the kids? Yes, they liked it fine. I mean, <sighs> they're not ones to rave about movies. Uh, I just thought I I was overhyped on it because too many people were like, oh, this is the best Marvel movie ever. It wasn't. Okay. What's the best Marvel movie ever? Uh, probably Winter Soldier, wouldn't you say? I know you maybe think Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. No, you don't know that. Don't tell me what, yeah, what I, I know. You said it on podcasts that I listen to. I don't say that. What? Yeah, I, I think the best... Hmm. I'll tell you, there's... I, I really... The ones that I find myself... I've told you this before, how with Pixar movies, I sometimes forget. I know I like a movie, but then when it actually comes on, I get so excited. Where I think, oh, Monsters, Inc., that's, that's a fun movie. But then it comes on, I'm like, oh, God, I really, really still love this movie. I mean, The Incredibles, my daughter wants to watch it almost every night. And still, when it comes on, like when he talks to Mr. Huff, it still makes me laugh. Movies like that. Uh, so with the Marvel movies, what's funny is like, I really like the first Captain America movie. I really like the first uh, Iron Man movie. Iron Man's up there, I think. I mean, it's that's a wonder on a lot of levels. But like, you know, I like I did like Guardians a lot. And I thought Spider-Man was really good. Yeah, now you're making me think maybe the first Captain America. I don't know. I I I, I like uh, Captain America one and two, and I also like Civil War, and they all have something slightly wrong with them in, in yeah. varying degrees. But the big um, ones, the big ones, like you know, you remember the big. Were you on the uh, Avengers episode of Incomparable? Yep. Oh, so mm -hmm. you were there. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was awkward. Andy had very strong feelings about that, but I think part of what he was saying back then. I'll, to paraphrase, if you can tell me if I get this wrong, is that, you know, well, I mean, I think when you get to a movie like Avengers, you have to like kind of take it on its own terms because it is with the way these cycles go with the Marvel movies, it becomes like the big buildup where the Avengers becomes the payoff. And there's really, there's rarely enough time to tell any one story in a lot of detail. And even then the movie's really long. I think I just like the, I, I mean, I do like the Avengers movie. 
I think some of the subsequent Avengers movies didn't really stick to my ribs very well. Like, I don't even remember what happened in some of them. There's just two. There's only two Avengers movies. There's not that many to keep track of here. It's just the one and then the two. Ultron? Yeah. Well, that's that's two. Well, well, I guess maybe I'm thinking of what's what's the one with um, what's the one with Scarlet Witch and uh, cheesy Quicksilver guy? You're thinking of uh, they were in uh, Ultron. Okay, Cause Ultron's the one with the where the town breaks off. The big uh, is it J.K. Simmons is the bit is Ultron? I forget who's Ultron. Uh, it's Ultron is played by uh Blaine from Sixteen Candles. Or uh, rather, pretty in pink. He's uh, James Blacklist. Oh, Spader. Spader. Played by Spader. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. And then, like, with the X Men movies, like, there's still a couple of them that I really like, apart from Logan. A couple of the X Men Warner movies, Warner, right? That I really like a lot. 20th Century Fox. 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 Yeah. Anyway, the non Marvel ones. That's not. Yeah. That's not. Uh, I'm not lumping them into MCU. Okay. Hmm. Well, not, I'm sorry to hear right? you weren't that into it. I, I thought it was no, really good. It was good. fine. I thought it was, that was good. Like, you it was, like the you kid. Know, I, didn't you think the kid was good? Yeah, no, I think I think the reason that a lot of people really like it is if you're if you're a Spider-Man fan from the comic books and you've had to endure seeing movies that don't capture the essence of what you what you think of as the essence of Spider-Man or what you like about Spider-Man and then and then finally somebody makes a movie that's like, oh, finally that's the Spider-Man that I like. I can yeah, see how that can be a big that, deal. That's what Dan and I keep talking about on the Back to Work show is that you know, it, it, the for a lot of people who've liked Spider-Man a long time it's always fun to look at somebody who has a, which part of them is really the secret identity. You know what I mean? Like we're obviously for, for Superman, Clark, Clark Kent, you know, is the, it's, well, the secret identity is Clark Kent in some ways. It's like, you can't spoil this movie for Mike now because he doesn't edit these, but he might listen. So let's not go into it farther. Don't even dump, just keep plow bravely forward. Yes. I get what you're saying. Yes. But the other, the other bit was the, was the one they were talking about in the Slack about uh Batman. How, uh, oh Yeah. Batman is is the true identity, and Bruce Wayne is the disguise. Yeah, yeah. All right. I wonder what else they got on this site. They got getting a new dog, dog care, dog facts. Oh, they have dog facts. I think you got. I think you got to establish more patterns. It's easy for me to say. Yeah. I, I, again, I want to revisit your your brief off the cuff uh, male answer syndrome advice, which is maybe let the dog pee in your house a couple times. It's great advice. Do you have people in your life who push back on you? Because it seems like it seems like you've you've surrounded yourself with sycophants who just agree no. that you're always yeah, right about yeah, things. That, no, I know you're your own self critic. I've heard it, that, but, that but like, not, but, no, no. How about every other living being in my house? Do you get do you get actual pushback where people tell you that that there maybe is something that you could learn a little more about here? I didn't. I just say from every living being in my house, even you know the mice before mm-hmm. they die, my children, my <laughs> wife, my dog. Believe me. Stuart, Stuart Little comes out with his ping pong ball helmet. That's right. I'm, I'm about to eat some of this year-old poison. But before I do, before I do, let me tell you that it would be easier to live my, leave my little turds in the, the back reaches of your shelves if you would just do X, Y, and Z different. I'm trying very hard not to have male answer syndrome. I, I'm trying very hard not to mansplain. I, I do. I'm trying to help lead a discussion here where we talk about possible <laughs> avenues of improvement. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say I have the answer. I'm trying to have a conversation about how to get your goddamn You're dog. trying to think, you're trying to think of the answer. You're like, uh, you, you want to solve my problem, which is, I understand it's an admirable, you know, Oh, I get it. This is one of the things where you just want me to listen. No, you know, I said, I just, 
I said it before, but apparently you didn't listen. Which one? Sometimes people just want to, to commiserate. They want, they want sympathy. Ah, want understanding. Dog. Oh, that's that, stupid sound, dog. that sounds really difficult. Oh. I can imagine what it's like to After wake five, up be, oh, before after, 6 a.m. Oh, 6 a.m., that and, sucks. And uh, go to bed at, at midnight, uh, oh. you know, for 100 days in a row, it seems like. I was really moved by the part about after 5 p.m. That sounds brutal. Having to take the dog out just sucks, man. Jeez. Don't forget about the rabbit turd eating. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you by Squarespace. Enter the offer code DIFFS at checkout. That'll get you 10% off your first purchase. Friends, make your next move with Squarespace. Because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next big idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. Whether you want to create an online store, a portfolio, or a blog, Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. Whatever it is you want to do, there's nothing to install. There are no patches to worry about, and no upgrades are needed. You don't have to worry about any of that junk because Squarespace has got you covered. They even have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you need any help. And they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name for your site. You're going to want that. And all those award-winning templates are just beautifully designed. Show off your great ideas. I'm a huge fan of Squarespace. I've used them for years. I use them for my ungainly X-Men meetup announcements. Just embed a map. You can drop in Amazon products, whatever you want to do. And they got a little dingus. You just drag it in. It's the best. It's where I host Roderick on the Line, a podcast that I do. The audio, the show notes, all goes to Squarespace. Love Squarespace. Crazy part is Squarespace plans start at just $12 per month. That's hardly any money at all per month. But right now, you can go and start a free trial with no credit card required. You go to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code DIFFS to get 10% off your first purchase. That's D-I-F-F-S. And you know what? Real talk, that will show your support for reconcilable differences and get you a totally amazeballs website. Thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. My daughter uh, goes to a themed, almost every week, because ends up going to a different themed camp. You've heard about some of the other themes before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I will just say that she is currently at an animal themed camp, and it's kind of cool. <laughs> hmm? <laughs> no, go ahead. What, what do you imagine that, it is? <laughs> not furries, right? <laughs> She's not a hunchback. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. it's not a. I was trying to think of the room number from The Shining or whatever. Oh yeah, two thirty-seven. Yeah, I think so. But that's not. But that's a different room, isn't it? The, the different. The furries were in a different room in The Shining. Oh, uh, when they're doing the, they're doing the sex act with the with the bunny boy. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think that's. I thought that was two thirty-seven. Is that a bunny or a bear? What you need to think about. You need to think about walls, windows doors, mirrors. Have you thought about these things? Have you really thought about them? Have you thought about the gold standard? I'm talking about, well, there's that wonderful uh, documentary, but also there's that essay, that online essay. I think Gruber and I talked about it a few years ago, but there's this online essay. I think it's called something like, you Google it, just Google for shining and like um, mirrors, doors, windows. And it's really interesting. It's like a very old school online essay, Right. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Ooh, I'm going to close that tab. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't need to go away. I'd rather have my Skype ads back. No, no, bad. <laughs> no, but um, all right. Hang on. Shining mirrors, 
windows. I think I've seen the thing you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. it, it blends in my mind with a really, really long YouTube video about getting off the gold standard. Mm-hmm. Yep, the gold room. Get it? Get it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That one, I think that one touches on a lot of similar things. Okay, let me find you where this starts. Um, this is, I think you're going to, just as somebody who is a, a bit, oh, God, I got to see the picture again. Somebody, uh, or uh, John Syracuse has sent me uh, the picture of, of the men in the room, and now it's on my eyes. Some fan art, too. How about that? Oh, no. Come on, <laughs> now I can scroll again. I got to hit, <laughs> hit the X on that one. Uh, so you, I, as, an, as an internet archaeologist, I think that you will enjoy many things about this. First of all, copyright 2008, which is very, very hard to believe. But doesn't this take you back? So this is a nice, like, Netscape-compliant kind of page. It's got a table with a nice border on it about ongoing special offers on DVDs. I'm looking at, uh, and we'll put this in show notes, Mazes, Mirrors, Deception, and Denial, an in-depth analysis of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. And this is one of those things where they kind of get you. Because you realize, like, somebody who has, like, a whatever, uh, what is this, probably a, a, pound, a pound sign CCC background on their page, like, you know, and kind of like brown letters, you think, okay, it's going to be an internet crank, 100% text you know it'll be internet crank <laughs> it's got all the signs you know but you're like but but the guy the guy makes some interesting points right and so you know he goes through it. he's got chapter one he's very scientific chapter one is pre- preparation oh, and research why is there not a single page view i seem to recall this, there being a single page view maybe not he's all in for the page views but it's one of those things where you start reading it and yeah it's a little wacky but you're kind of like wow it's a little bit like like a stoner conversation where you're like oh yeah like, you know, Stanley Kubrick, as everybody knows, Stanley Kubrick is so careful about everything and how he does it. And there's no way that mm-hmm. he would have a window in the manager's office when everybody knows that that's not a wall to the outside because they walk behind it, et cetera. Or like, why is it they, when they walk this way, they come out in this other place and the use of mirrors and... I always love those. A lot of the, a lot of the Shining things focus on that, that, mm-hmm. uh, that, every, that everything must be intentional. <laughs> right. But it, like for people who claim to be such scholars of Stanley Kubrick. They're studying not just, you know, the movie, but the man, right? How do they do all that deep research into Stanley Kubrick? And it never even occurs to them that in Stanley Kubrick's hierarchy of things he cares about when making a movie, spatial continuity of rooms is so far down below, like, looking good on film or being lit nicely. Like, like I don't understand why they, that never that never comes in. Like, Yes, he's super careful, but he has things he cares. It's a hierarchy. It's a priority list. Right, like, right, right. What's your number one, number two, number three? Number, and like way down there is like spatial continuity. Because, he, you know, it's well, every frame of painting, right? He wants everything to look beautiful and be nice and evoke a mood. And you would say, yeah, but that room doesn't connect there. You'd be like, that's like item number 87 on the list of things I care about. Right. And yet for these people, you know, they go from Stanley Kubrick is a very careful, deliberate filmmaker to Stanley Kubrick cares about every single thing that I care about to the same degree that I care about it, which is, I guess, part of the whole wall of text, brown text on gray background thing they have going on. Well, and like, I think, of course, part of this sort of, what does one call it? Maybe not a conspiracy theory, but p- part of these, like these, these big notions about something always have the, uh, 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 of course, I've already thought of that because there's these, these things and these things and these things. And no, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, you think about stuff like, you know, like La La Land was this really good movie where like once Dan Sturm had pointed it out to me, I couldn't help but notice how many things are a little out of focus, like apparently not on purpose, 
Like, you, know, you think about the lighting, you think about the focus, you think about, and I mean, listen, if you are the writer of this, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to impugn you, but you know, there's, you think about shooting things in sequence, shooting things out of sequence, no matter what you do, you probably got to do reshoots at some point. You're going to have to cut scenes. You're going to have to like, you know, add things in to explain things and maybe do something wrong in that shot. There's just so many layers. It seems like anybody who works in movies would go, oh my God, you have no idea. If you watched any movie as closely as you watched this, just because he's Saint, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Saint Stanley. Just because that, you know, like still like there's going to be things that like, no, dude, it's a movie. Like, you know, you're not. So what? Like, did he pick this lens in this shot because it's supposed to look distorted? Yeah, because that's Stanley Kubrick. Now watch this these YouTube videos about how he chooses his lenses. There's no nothing in these movies that's not supposed to be there. Like, it's mental. It's really crazy. Yeah, and again, they don't they don't recognize the hierarchy. They're like that, making films is a large endeavor that costs a lot of money, that involves a lot of people, and that inevitably you have to have a priority list because you can't care about everything. Otherwise, nothing would ever get made. Right, and no one has unlimited money even Stanley Kubrick to make movies. So you have to decide what your priorities are. And it's so clear that his priorities are, you know, he wants the shot. He wants, you know, he wants the performance. He wants the lighting. And if something has to slip continuity due to reshoots or spatial continuity, because it just looks better for this room to be here. And then for the camera, like, of course he'll give that up. Like it's so, even if he had unlimited money, he would be like, even though this makes no sense spatially, I like it this way because it looks better. Of right. course he would do that. Like, how can you watch at him or read anything about him, know anything about him at all and not realize that he would 100% sacri- you know, sacrifice that or trade that for the things that he cares more about? Yet these people, you know, whole sections of their analyses hinge on the idea mm-hmm. that literally, like you said, everything that is on the screen must be there with intent and purpose. And there is no possibility that in this, you know, multi-hundred person, multi-million dollar endeavor it, during which he is responsible to the studio or finances or whatever could possibly have anything in it that wasn't intentional. Can I encourage you to just really quickly, and we'll let it go, but look at chapter four titled Around Every Corner. And this has some of my favorite stuff because I like when people introduce graphics. So in this one, uh, this is, and he's done some YouTube videos about this. He really, He really lays out um, like the floor plan, a lot of question marks on here to indicate things. He's got, the, here's an impossible window. This door is spatially wrong. <laughs> this leads where? Question mark, mm-hmm. question mark, question mark. Doors to where, doors to where. And like when they're in the bathroom and he's talking to Jeevesy, when when they do the 180 shot, you know, and you look and he should be in the mirror, but he's not in the mirror. Have you thought about that? Where's Jack? Why is Jack not in the mirror? Who's there? Who is, who's there? Who isn't there? 237, 237, 372, purity of essence. Peace on Earth. I like one of my favorite. The gold standard mix in is one of my favorite things because it's a nice it's a nice connection with the whole rest of the world of conspiracy theory. Like you know, sort of the underpinning I mean, the thought technology, but like thought virus, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. The underpinning of thought virus is uh, wanting to believe in a grand conspiracy because it's more comforting to think that something is in control of every aspect of everything than to you know. <laughs> <laughs> than to uh, give in to the randomness of the universe. Like it is, it's a comforting thought. It's more comforting to think that lizard people are controlling everything than it is to realize that sometimes things just happen because that's terrifying, right? So the, all the conspiracy theory people, like that's somewhere in there that, that, that need for, for something to be controlling everything. And so Stanley Kubrick is a great attachment point for that. Like to believe that 
he is such a control freak and is so careful about so many things that surely he controls everything. And then from that, you know, accept that as a premise. Well, and that, that he must, that we, that we, the only way to read this text, the only way to watch this movie critically is to assume that everything there must be there, right? It's, it's not even that like, like, is there on purpose, but more like it's critical that that door is exactly where it is. Everything has meaning, you know, right. like, yes, you don't want to believe anything is random. Nothing, nothing is a mistake. Nothing is an accident of budget or reshoots or scheduling or weather or just plain old human error. Everything is super intentional, equally important. And the gold standard, the whole gold standard conspiracy theory is like a nice tie into that larger world of conspiracies about, you know, who's running the U.S. and Freemasons and, mm-hmm. you know, just like it's it just <laughs> this nice, neat little connector. They found like this tiny, like, how can you connect The Shining to larger conspiracy theories like we found a way? Something, there was something gold somewhere Well, the in conspiracy it. theory stuff is crazy, but as you learn in Chapter 12, Slavery, Cannibalism, and Genocide, you learn, <laughs> um, for example, the use of red, white, and blue. Um, in, in Ullman's office, you see the, the flag, you see Danny is wearing stars and stripes. Uh, were you aware, for example, that these are Indian sand paintings that are very meaningful? And then when you go into the kitchen, remember, you want some ice cream, Doc? You see Calumet, and very clearly see Calumet baking powder, which has a Native American with a headdress on it. Okay? Later on, um, uh, what's her name? What's the, what's the woman's name? Shelley Duvall is walking around. Mm-hmm. Wendy, Wendy's walking around. Guess what? She's wearing a jacket with, with Native American stuff on it. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. Native American uh, pattern. What, what else could explain the prevalence of Native American things in Colorado? What else could explain it? Knowing how many photographs he made people take of doorways in London for Eyes Wide Shut, you have to know that there's a reason that Goofy is in this. Because Goofy looks, according to this author, Goofy looks like Shelley Duvall. Do you get it? You seeing this? Gold Room har- 237. Kind of, kind of harsh to Shelley Duvall there. Super harsh. Super harsh. That's a good movie. That's a good, good movie. I have one little bit of follow up. I don't know if you have any others. Yeah, I um I uh, in my in my pride and certainty uh in talking about you two, I think I misnamed somebody. I said that the kid on the two album covers, I thought his name was Sparky. I think it's not. I think Sparky is the nickname of the Edge. Is that correct? He has two his nickname for his nickname. And this does not ring any bells with me. I didn't remember you, you opining about the kid on the cover of uh, Boy in War either. I said something. I think I've heard him referred to as Radar, but now I can't find that anywhere. I did find lots of photos of him. He's all grown up now, and he actually uh, turns out he hangs out a, with a Nirvana baby now, right? Mm-hmm. More ready to feel old, and now he's a photographer with some some weird anecdotes. So my apologies to um, Sparky the Edge. I don't remember you saying that. Oh, you... maybe I didn't. It might have been a different show where I talked about you two yeah, in 1987. I think it might. Wow, look at I'm looking at the picture of him. Yeah, he's handsome, huh? Yeah, but very Irish. <laughs> yeah, Peter Rowan. I would have recognized that name in a multiple choice test, but I would never would have been able to pull it out of my head. I don't think you could make that uh, make these album covers today. But the people think it's weird. No, you could totally do it. Didn't you see the Songs of Innocence cover? Songs of Innocence. Is that you too? Oh, that's the one I that's the one I got. Okay. Innocence. Does that have a naked boy on it? Oh, it's got uh, Larry hugging his kid. Oh yeah, look at that. Oh yeah, okay. Looks like an REM video. Yeah. Okay. Bigger than you. And you are not me. Mm-mm. Links that I would go through. Mm-hmm. Go to. Right. Your eyes. Yeah, go through. Mm-hmm. Two. <laughs> Is it, what he actually enunciates you're going to get that lyric wrong? Where the sky the sand and Moana maligns me. <laughs> that U2 War is a good album. 
This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you by Hover. You can learn more about Hover right now by visiting hover.com slash diffs. When you have a great idea for your next big idea, your next big project, blog, store, startup, you name it, anything, you got to give it a great domain name. Get it a domain name. You do that at Hover, hover.com. Find that perfect domain name. It is ridiculously easy with Hover. I'm a huge fan of Hover. I've been using them for years. And I got to be honest, my favorite part is I just hardly ever have to think about it. I'll go in, I'll do uh, make a little change, a little tweak, go in, do some stuff, renew it once a year, forget about it. It just goes, boom, hover, out the door. So many great things about Hover. Today, I want to tell you about some of their amazing domain extensions and the wonderful email addresses you can get. It is easy to find the perfect name for your idea with Hover. They've got a little dingus that'll help you with this. They have over 400 domain extensions, 400 to end your domain with. All the classics you're used to, got your .coms, .net, .you name it, they got all those. And they got all those crazy new extensions too. And once you get your domain, you can use it to get a more on-brand or professional email address. It works with whatever email program you're already using, Hover. So find the perfect domain name for your idea. You go to hover.com slash diffs. That'll get you 10% off your first purchase. Once again, that's hover.com slash diffs, D-I-F-F-S. You go, you find out more, plus 10% off your first purchase purchase. Nothing wrong with that. Our thanks to Hover for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Hover, domain names for your ideas. Oh, I didn't sleep very well. I ate salami for dinner. That's not a good thing. I had to clean. Clean. Um, it's just look clean to you. They're still tarring the roof. They're really, really getting in there now. They've, they've, they're, Which you know. roof is this, by the way? This is a neighbor's roof? No, it's it's the it's the uh, building in which I have my private office. Oh, all right, all right, that's right. It's not okay. So yeah. this is the actual building you're in, but you're not on the top floor, right? I couldn't say. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, that you know they're real nice. They seem nice, uh, but they they're still roofing. They're. You think on... it's like a Shawshank uh, situation going on up there? Oh, was that is that where you hide behind the poster? No, don't you remember uh, the Shawshank Redemption? They had a roof tarring scene. Oh, is that where they drink Coca Cola? No, the, well, you yeah, don't they have soft drinks and it's a nice moment? Yeah, maybe it's where they uh, what's his name gets uh, holding him over the edge. He's gonna chuck him off. He's gonna have a little accident, have himself a little accident there. Oh, and he manages to talk his way out of it. And maybe everybody gets cokes. I forget. I remember thinking that movie was kind of sad. It was like the number one movie on IMDb or near the top for a long time. So I finally saw it, and I remember thinking it was good, but it was it was you know it's kind of sad, wasn't it? It's good, but it has a happy ending. Hmm. No spoilers. It's got an assault in it I didn't like so much. Yeah, well, I don't it's like prison this. for you. Oh, man. I can't believe what you get away with. I just... Okay, dog update. Um, so I think we've got a topic and we've got a Smoiler Smot, correct? Sure. For the Smoiler Smot, which is not now, it's later on, uh, mm-hmm. we are going to... Uh, we've gone back and we've rewatched every episode of The Leftovers and we're going to be talking about season three of The Leftovers in detail, but later on. And we will warn you with the spoiler horn at the beginning of the Smoiler Smut. It's going to be really, really companion light this week. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand why you get to be the companion. Do you want to be the companion? Isn't the companion usually like younger and more attractive? I don't know. I think David Tennant's a very handsome man. Mm, yeah, but who are his companions? He had Rose... He had yeah. Donna. So both, well, Donna is... Donna was charming. She's equally attractive. Adipose. Rose, Rose was more attractive and younger. Yeah, she uh, was Donna, was Donna was probably younger, too. Um, 
She had uh, Martha. What's her name? Oh, the uh, African American. Yes, with the crazy one with the, where they go to the house that two parter with the lady from Spaced. <gasps> that was younger so and more attractive good. too. That was so good. What's her name? Jessica something. The one woman from Spaced. That was a really good creepy two parter. Boy, that show's creepy. I finally started watching the. I guess it's the current season, season ten. The one with Bill. Fine, fine. Yeah, yeah, I finally started watching that because I had it, I had let it build up, but then with the announcement of the new Doctor Who, I'm like, oh, I better I better get moving here. So I'm working my way through it, and it's it's middle of the road so far. I like her a lot. I did a crazy thing. I was really excited that it was coming back. I watched the first two, and then I did that thing that happens to everybody, where it just fell off. And I had heard, I had thought that there was some some pretty scary stuff in a few of those. And then I'd heard that there was one that was super scary around episode six. I didn't even bother to try. Scary for you or scary for your daughter? Well, mainly, you know, for, for the kid. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But like, you know, some of that Cybermen stuff can be pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of kid scary stuff in Doctor Who. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And that's apparently everybody, all of our friends on Slack, like, you know, James and everybody will talk about like how that rich tradition of like hiding behind the couch, you know, watching mm-hmm. Doctor Who. But, um, but then I got to this, uh, this is not a spoiler, uh, but the second to last episode I thought was really quite good. And then I thought the last episode was was okay. But I'm going to miss Peter Capaldi. I think he did a really nice job. He clearly relished the role. Yeah, he was good. I think he was really good. Not, not given that much to work with in many cases. Like, you know, I'm only, I think I'm only like three or four episodes into the season. And I feel like yeah. some of the writing is letting him down a little bit. But he's he's very, he's a good doctor. And I, that's the thing about the doctors. I've, you know, whatever. I, I, well, I only started watching the show with... Uh, Matt Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, not Matt Smith. Uh, Chris Eccleston. Oh, right. The uh, uh, right. minister. 2005, right? <laughs> and every every doctor they've had, I think, has been good. Like, uh-huh. none of them have been like, oh, this this doctor, he's the crap doctor. None of them have been crap. I think they've all, even even Christopher Eggleston, I thought he was good. Every single one of them. And so I think, you know, they're doing a good job with the casting. So I have high hopes for yeah. the next doctor as well. Like, and all of them, like, seem a little bit weird in the beginning, but they all settle in. And I, mean, I guess that maybe the doctor's... Not an easy character to play, but like, there's a lot to work with there. You know, you, very expressive, exciting, dynamic, and room for all the different takes on the doctor to match up well with the actor. Like, you don't have to play it a certain way. If you are an older actor, you can play an older doctor. If you are a younger actor, you can play a young, you know, like you can. That, that seems to work out to me. So I've, I've liked them all. Well, there's also that thing where, like, and this is like a, such a running bit. Um, but you know, there's also that thing of like how it does sometimes feel like there is a difference between English actors and American actors where like English actors, they'll be in like such different kinds of, a, they have, they tend to seem to have a lot more like built in stage experience than a lot, not all, but like than most American actors, but second that they will, you know, they'll take like any role that they're working. It's their job. And so you'll see people in these really strange roles or in these really bad movies. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's an actor. I'm Sean Connery. Like if they write me a check, I will be in it. You know what I mean? So, I mean, but with that said, I think it's a risky role. You've always got like a kind of DeForest Kelly problem or a, uh, you know, Kirk thing where it's like, you know, well, you know, Daniel Radcliffe, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be all right. He will probably always be somewhat associated with a character he played in movies. And, you know, but, you know, for Matt Smith, I bet that's kind of tough. You know, David Tennant has obviously done different things, but like, you know, and again, Peter Capaldi a little later in his career, but you know, I bet it's, I bet it's pretty tough show. I bet it's a pretty tough show to do because their budgets are not surpassingly high. 
I bet the scheduling and like the whales shooting and that kind of stuff can be pretty tough. You got to deal with the press. You got to deal with the fans. I bet it's a pretty challenging thing to do. And then there's always that risk of like, am I just always going to be the doctor for the rest of my career? Just saw David Tennant and uh, Jessica Jones, which I finally watched. And I feel like, you know, he and he's already on Broadchurch, right? So Broadchurch and he's in Harry Potter. Yeah, I get the the impression this is probably not a true impression, but this impression I get as a you know an American who just watches a couple of British shows here and there, that the reason you see the same British actors in so many different things is that it's a tiny island with a small number of people, <laughs> and they only have a certain number of actors to go around, which obviously can't possibly be true because surely there are tons more people who want to be actors, like in any place, who want to be famous actors than that. But you see the same people come up again and again. Uh, and even and like almost all of them have been suggested as possible people to be the doctor. But I, I do love the way that I mean, there are some roles for middle aged and older people in America. But, you know, and not to make this like strictly a diversity thing, but just that like there seems like somebody like Olivia Coleman, like could Olivia Coleman have such a great, great career. Like if she only acted in American stuff, she still I does. Know, I, I, I don't know anybody's name. So who is that? Uh, let's see. Olivia Coleman. Uh, was it? I think that's Broadchurch. I've never seen Broadchurch. Oh, okay. So uh, she has been in everything. She was in Hot Fuzz. She was in The Night Manager. She was in. She was great on um, uh, Mitchell and Webb. She had to have been in Harry Potter, isn't that the the, the cornerstone? Like, if, yeah, I know. especially for older older actors, the over the course of all the Harry Potter things, if you are a background, if you are an older British actor, you're right. in. You're I in some Harry Potter. It must somewhere. be like a union thing. Yeah, well, that's what, that's what gives the impression from you know from over here in America that there is there is a limited pool of actors in the UK and they just keep reusing them. David Bradley, he just, he just keeps turning up and stuff. You know, he's Filch, he's Frey. Yeah, and and this this can't possibly be the case. This is like the what do you call it? Uh, uh, the you, noticing things effect. You just named it in, in a podcast that I just listened to. Peter Meinhof. There you go. Yeah. Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. And like, once you hear a word, it feels like you start hearing it all the time and you can't believe you never heard it. Yeah. So once, once you see an actor, you're like, oh, it's that person again. And like, and you see every single thing that's right. even remotely related to England. You're like, oh, it's that person again and again and again. Did you, uh, did you look up Olivia Coleman? Yep. Yeah. You know her, right? I know the face, but I, I don't think I could pull out anything that I could say that you're she's not a Michelin web person. You know, you don't like her. No, no, no. She's always in number Wang. Um, anyway, promising friends. Hmm. Oh, I wonder who she was. Did she cause confusion or delay? Yeah. <laughs> Tell of the brave. She's in Arietti. She's done no, lots she, of voice work. What, what voice was she in Arietti? Arietti. The Secret World of Arietti, 2010. Mm. UK version voice. Yeah, it's the UK Oh, version. I see. That's interesting. Nice. Amy Poehler. Oh yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. All right, sorry, we we went off on a big tangent there. Let's, yeah, we sure did. Let's wrap that back. Where where were we going? Oh, about how incredibly prepared I am for for this uh, companion light episode. Uh, maybe here's, that was here's it. the thing, John. Here's the thing. I have watched and adored all three seasons of The Leftovers. I think we talked about it on here once before. We have, yeah, we did before before season before season three. We talked before about. season three. Um, I think I think it's a fantastic show. I have I loved this season. I think they continue to push. John, I don't remember almost anything that happened on the show. This. Uh, season and as I was just saying to Todd uh, stuff that I thought was in uh, like mid season three actually happened like early season one and so daddy's time space about leftovers is not yeah, good well, right now 
Yeah, well, we have to do it. It's been, oh, it's I know. been delayed. I'm ready. It's been delayed too long, so we're gonna do it, and then I'll just yeah. Okay. All right. I'm 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 ready. But not now. Well, that's we'll save it till later. I can't tell if the main topic this week is different enough, but I don't care because I think it's still interesting. And I think this is one of our tentpole interesting things. Uh, the main topic this week, liking things to be a certain way. We talked about things like well, we had the housework and house duties episode. We've talked a lot in the past, at least a few times about the like, uh, my place on the couch is how we talked about it. Like, And so uh, the topic I wanted to toss out is things in life where we like things to be a certain way. Um, and that can be things around the house. That could be things with your computer, like weird things you have. And then my sort of analog pivot on that, if, if we have time, is to talk about the weird, what I think is, what I'm prepared to discuss as the very weird way that some people are incredibly sensitive is the wrong word. Like my wife notices visual changes in ways that feel like magic to me. Different bad smells one of us is driven crazy by and the other one literally can't smell it. And I want to talk about, do you have any weird things? In addition to people, or you in particular, liking things a certain way, do you have things where you're just baffled by the way that you and other people look at the same thing or experience the same thing? That's what I'm tossing out to you. Before I move on to the things, noticing things, like getting back to the my place on the couch, stuff like that. It's actually related to what we were just talking about with the shining uh, and conspiracy theories and stuff. And that it's like another thought technology slash virus slash coping mechanism, but a way to, a way to deal with the fact that most of all of our lives is, are is out of our control to an uncomfortable degree. Mm -hmm. And so hold on to these three or four little touchstone things as a way to keep the demon dogs at bay, as a way to feel like you are in control of your own life in some way. So your keys have to be in the same spot and my place for my iPhone has to be there. And like, you know, again, in the, in the chaos of my entire house, are there three things that I can count on that these things are always in this place. This place is reserved for me or this item that this is always facing the same way. And the rest of the house can be in chaos. But as long as you can sort of maintain those things, it gives you like, like a, a, a toe holes on, on reality mm -hmm. to, to some degree. And, and you can, many you times can like sort of like, somewhat mindfully so like if you've got this set of this very small set of things or this this small area this small uh domain or aspect of life that you need to exercise maybe irrationally but admittedly openly mindfully say i know that i'm weird about this but this needs to be like one of my things and then and then at the, the very very far end there's stuff you literally don't care about or literally don't notice and then in between there's a lot of things where like yeah you might want it to be a certain way but like you make your peace with the fact that that's that's not the hill you want to die on. Yeah, I mean, you have to you have to focus your energy on the on the few on a few small things that you're going to actually fight for. Uh, because if you were to give up everything, it's just like just giving up entirely and just sort of becoming a blob and sinking into the floor. And like that's you have to be able to have a few things, depending on your personality, how many they are and how complicated they are, that you do hold on to as sort of your you know your control point for your life to say that it's not totally out of control. At least I know where my wallet is. Right. Exactly. I'll, I mean, I'll kick it off on my end with what I have frequently referred to as my bulwark against madness, which is the bowl. And yes, I'm talking about this again because it's the perfect example because everybody out there has one of these, at least one of these, or either that or you're undignified and losing your mind. Uh, I have a bowl where I put my keys, my wallet, you know, my pocket things. Um, if my headphones, my earbuds are, charged that's where they go and if they're not charged they always go in this one place 
But that to me, like, there's so much stuff where, like, my books just disappear, my pens just disappear, my notebooks just disappear. But, like, you're not even allowed to joke about putting my wallet somewhere. Like, I, I would like to think that there's hopefully fewer than a half dozen things that I'm that insane about. But, like, are, you know, are, are there these certain things, like your iPhone-shaped area on the mantle where you charge? That seems like that's one, right? doesn't charge there, but yes. My, my spot on my mantle, my spot on the couch, my side of the bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've actually expanded out recently a couple other new places because I've I've sort of decided that there are certain places for dog things too. Here's where the leash goes. Here's where the poo bags go. Here's mm-hmm. where the treat bag goes. Here's where the harness goes. And I'm fighting to keep those, not so much because I care about them that much, just because when, since I'm doing so much dog stuff, the last thing you want to do when the 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 ticking time bomb ticking pee bomb that is this dog makes the noise and is sitting by the door saying telling you in a very subtle way that you've learned to interpret i need to go out pretty darn soon the last thing i want to be doing is saying where is the leash no you don't you don't have time for that so everything has to be in a place so i've, I've expanded mm-hmm. i've expanded the number of, of the number of things that i'm forcing myself to care about because i need <laughs> there's more madness i need more bulwarks so let's stick with house for a minute other things around the house. Now, now I'm, I'm guessing you probably do have a place where you put your... Does your wallet go where your phone goes? Mm-hmm, yeah, I've got a wallet in a key place. Okay. All right. Uh, when you're wearing jackets or it is coat season, do you have one place that coats always go? Yep. Is everybody, I mean, <laughs> pretty, is everybody consistent about that? Well, my kids will just drop them on the floor if they're on devices. We have oh, right, right there um, by we, the door on top of the pile of children's shoes. Is that where yeah, it goes? We, we have a coat rack, right? <laughs> Our coat rack, God. Our coat rack is a whole other thing. So we have, we have a coat how, rack. How much There's, of the coat rack is active at a given time? Too much of it. Like, mm. really, we overload our coat rack because I, I think we have a lot of coats, right? At any given time, there's like six coats for every member of the family, it seems like, on that thing. <laughs> and it's it's one of those... Here's the thing with the coat rack. It's one of those, like circular wooden coat racks got yeah, like a, you know, three three little legs and it goes up and and there's like a you know four little posts going out at right angles and it goes up farther and then there's mm-hmm. you know four or five things going out like uh you know at a 45 degree angle right like a little crown and it's made it's made of wood actually it's made of like if you imagine the byproduct of someone making something out of wood like just the sawdust and everything and you take that sawdust and you compress it and add glue and then paint it to look like wood. That's what this stuff is made of. So it's like not MDF. It's not particle board, but whatever it is, it's not actual. For the most part, it's not actual. It's wood. variety woods. Yeah. And the reason I know this is because for our entire life in this house, entire entire life having children, or maybe even before, maybe even this happened with a dog and, and adults, this coat rack's got a lot of coats on it, right? And at some point, some someone or some dog, or some, usually some child, the majority of the ones I can remember are children, will try to pull a coat off of it, not carefully enough, and the, and the coat rack is kind of in a corner, so it's pretty easy to unevenly load it, right? And they'll end up tipping it, right? Because it's already off balance anyway, because there's not as many coats around the back of it, because it would be hard to get them there, because it's kind of in a corner. So there's lots of coats all on, on one side of it, and they try to pull a coat off, and it tips. And it tips over onto our hardwood floor, and what happens is the top part of the coax, since it's covered with coats, not much happens there. I mean, it makes kind of a, you know, it's not a loud banging sound that much, because, but it's, it's falling on lots of coats, especially in the winter. It's falling on a bunch of winter coats, right? 
But what that does is kicks up the bottom end of it. You know, like imagine thing is tips over the, the, the tippy top of it goes down, hits the ground. And now the foot of it pops up a couple inches and then hit slams back down to the hardwood floor and cracks off the feet. And we've gone through maybe six of these things so far in our life in this house because someone will knock it over and it will crack off one of the feet. And because it's made of particle board or whatever, it's like impossible to glue back together. We try gluing and screwing it back together. Like they just get destroyed. And we just keep buying the same stupid ones over and over again. We look at other ones like metal ones or other things like that. And it's like, we don't like any of the other ones we can find. And these things are actually pretty expensive anyway. Uh, and we just keep rebuying them. And so this <sighs> is a kind of like a weird situation where, yes, all our coats go on the coat rack, but we keep buying the same stupid coat racks. The, at this point, I'm keeping like the bodies of them in the basement so I can have spare parts if You're some like part John breaks Wayne off. Gacy of coat racks. Yeah, like down in the basement, you can find, the, the, you know, body parts of coat racks. If on the off chance some part of it breaks that is replaceable, I'll take it out of one of the old ones. <laughs> it's like a junkyard. <laughs> it's the worst. Anyway. Yeah, uh-huh. this is this is the curse of having having a place in a tradition, and the thing it's we have a dumb tradition and a place where people are too good about putting their stuff because they leave it unbalanced. Even though I'm the, I always take mine. I'm always the one to tuck it behind, like as I'm trying to balance with my big heavy winter coat. Right, you're the balancer. Well, you know what you could do, um, because uh, of my male answer syndrome. Like uh, when I used to deliver flowers, we had these really cool sandbags that you could like distribute around the different uh, arrangements so they wouldn't knock over or run into each other. You could put some, put some uh, small sandbags down there. I considered anchoring it to the wall, which is like the real solution if you don't want to. Because you do that with all like the furniture, you know, you get furniture yeah. for the kids' room, you get anchor to the wall. So if they climb up, the take out the drawers and climb up, it won't tip over and kill them. Right. Right. I've considered that, but it just, we just keep, you know, just keep doing the same stuff that we're doing. I mean, it would be inconvenient for it to be anchored. And the sandbags and a waiting thing, I feel like, depending on how insistent the child is that tries to yank their coat off, like the sandbags aren't going to help you either. Cause it's not like, it's not, a, it's not a close thing. Sometimes, sometimes it's just, you know, yanked off and we had guests knock it over too. And guests, children knock it over. <laughs> I'm trying to think if we ever had any that our previous dog did, but it's tough. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's yeah. So we do have a place for coats. We do have a place, a place for shoes. Our place for shoes is like your place for shoes, which is like, well, there's an area where shoes accumulate. Does that count? Well, yeah. And like, but you're also making me think of this. I mean, this is the daddest dad observation that like just totally dads me all the way. But like, I was thinking today, like how, like, I feel like around the beginning of the semester of like, say the winter semester, what I would call it. Like, so let's say by January, February, I feel like we had, I think six of those thermos containers, the classic 12 ounce, you know, thermos for a little kid with the, with the straw. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, the only thermos, the classic thermos that I can think of is the one that comes in a metal lunchbox with a superhero on the front of it. It's, That's well, not it's what the, you're talking about, right? The, fun, the Google Funtainer. And it's it's the classic, like every kid has these. The thermos Funtainer is like the perfect little 12 ounce brand, branded or not branded. Oh, yeah, no, I see it. Okay, I didn't. I did not know that word. Yeah, we have those. Yeah, okay. So I, I feel like we have like six of those. And you know how it goes is it starts out and you have a certain number of these and maybe there's that funny, like jump in at any point, but you got that funny flow of like, you've got these, you know, more than half the days, everything comes back fine. Some days they don't come back. Some days to come back, come back. 
But like over time, there's a slow erosion of the number of a thing that you have. And I feel like there's this whole flight of these things where like I, I'm trying not to feel like an insane person because now we have one and it's the puppy power one. And she doesn't like that one anymore because we were, we, were, we were down to three. We had the blue one. We had the Wonder Woman. We had the no, puppy power. What did I say? Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol. Uh, and now we're down to Paw Patrol. All the other ones have gone and they haven't come back. And they're probably not going to come back because camp. So like that, there's that. There's the jackets where like you say you've got all these jackets, but like, I mean, I guess the jackets just go away. But like, this is where like I, I fight this because on the one hand, I understand that, well, she's a kid and that happens. You leave your jacket at recess. That happens. Like I, I, that, I get all of that. It's just that I keep looking Cassandra-like, I don't know, I guess our Sisyphean, like I keep looking for it. Like, where is the change that I need to help take in order for the jackets to not go away or in order for the funtainers to not disappear or in order for the shoes to not be on two floors? And I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm, I'm, as they say on Twitter, honest question. I don't know how to do that. And I try to address it with some of my bulwarks. And so far, I've had very, very little success. And I feel like I should, but I don't know if I really should. I feel like I should. Interesting case, because this is, speaking of things that you care about or don't care about, my wife cares a great deal about it. I already talked about her clean, uh, cleaning the kids' rooms and wanting all the toys to be in sets. Like, this, these toys come in this set, and these toys right. come in that set, and putting right. them into sets and saying, this set isn't complete because we're missing one shoe, right? So she knows what the sets are and wants everything to be complete. So same thing with these I'm not going to call them, but you call them. She'll notice all the way down to like one missing shoe, like for yes. this brand. Yes. Wow. And so for these water bottles, so we call them, we just call them water bottles. So water bottles and jackets and stuff like that, she cares a lot about having all the water bottles, having the correct, you know, the little squishy, rubbery inside things and then the little tube that goes in, you know? Yeah. There's multiple pieces. Like you don't Having you don't the, put the you don't put the black lid onto the R two D two and right, the blue right. one and onto them, the Big Hero six. They've done a change too, where, where the squishy like the the part that you that put in your mouth, like there's different heights of those. Like the part that goes through the plastic is different heights. Really? Do so you have like the previous generation that was like shorter? Uh, not the part that pokes out that you put your mouth on, but the part that's attached to, like the little plug that plugs up the little hole. Right. There's different generations of that. Oh, I see. But like, regardless of what it is that, okay, so this is, I'm sorry, you're giving a perfect example of the topic. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. That like for whatever that, whatever that brand of toy, not brand of toy, but whatever that, that kind of toy is, all the Legos go with the Legos. I'm guessing Calico Critters with Calico Critters, Shopkins with Shopkins, like with like, and so things like the jackets, the, the jackets in the bottles, the water bottles, they need to come home and then they need to be re repatriated to the correct location. Right. They need to have the right things in them and we need to have all of them. We need to have all the parts, right? Even though a lot of these are interchangeable, you could take the Batman lid and put it on the, you know, non-branded purple container that we have. Like they will fit. Some of them are interchangeable, but we need to have all the pieces and all the parts. And so her caring a lot about this and caring a lot about all the jackets and everything yeah. has transferred to the children to the point where, because mommy cares so much about this, now this is suddenly important to the kids because they don't want to incur mommy's wrath. Oh, super losing, interesting. Losing the bottles and the jackets. But it's not as if this is something you can apply. Like, oh, well, I'll just do that. I'll just decide that I really care about the thermoses. Because you don't. You don't care about the thermoses, right? If you did care about the thermoses, you wouldn't have this problem because your kids would know that you cared about it. And then, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. It's like you can't, you can't pretend. You can't fake it. And you can't, like, make yourself do it. But because my wife happens to care about these few things... It's not that we don't lose them, but we lose them at a at a lower rate. I feel like <laughs> a, lo a lower yeah. lower uh, loss rate. 
And so maybe we lose one thermos every year and one jacket every 1.5 years across two kids, but it's way less whoa, than the average. Whoa. Rate. I know it's it's a pretty good. And also, my wife. Do buys, you realize how bananas that is? We're t- we're talking for jackets. We're talking at least I'm gonna say one every three weeks. For the <laughs> for the bottles, it'll be one a month. Do you buy expensive jackets? Because we buy expensive <sighs> jackets. That also motivates both parents to to not just I mean to not just uh you know care about them and express to the children they have to remember to ring them back, but also to go the extra right. mile sometimes with the kid to say you left the jacket. Guess what? We're going back to get it because that was an eighty dollar Lands End jacket, and we're gonna find it. Right. Well, this is one of the rare. This is one of the rare things where, uh, and I don't say this very much about myself. Where, like, even if it is a cheap jacket, we need to act like it's an expensive jacket. And but I also don't want to be like I don't want to be shaming. Like I I hate the shaming of kids. Like I try if I do something unintentionally to shame a kid, I hate it. It's just the worst. So I do try because a lot of times when you shame a kid, it's because you're mad at yourself. If most of us are honest. It's like, you know, you, you could have skated fine on this, but like, this is your, this is your hangup. So now you're going to make this kid feel bad uh, and wasteful. But no, what I, I, I really, I'll tell you, I do some, uh, I'll throw it back to you in, in a second. But like, for example, I do two things. Every day I pick her up at school. She doesn't need to know this, but I do, <laughs> I do two things as a prophylactic, which is that I always go straight to Lost and Found where one day out of five, I will find something of hers. <laughs> and um, I will frequently, when I'm walking by the playground, where usually the jacket is shed, I will look. And then I'll make a point of noticing when we're leaving, because apparently I'm very tightly wound, saying, oh, have you got your bottle? Have you got your jacket? Have you got all these things? And I, I don't know if that's helping. I don't think it's helping, but I hope it. if I do it consistently, it will make some difference. But no, we don't, I mean, it's not like we buy her crappy stuff, but like there's something really dispiriting about when you get something that is kind of kind of nice or kind of cool, like the Captain America hoodie or the Levi's jacket. It's like, oh, I liked that jacket. Like, I'm sad that's gone. I really, that was a very cool jacket, the Amy Pond hoodie. Like, I'm sorry that that's gone. Well, sometimes the kids like it too, especially if the kids are picky about things and they have, they finally get a jacket they like or they finally get a thermos they like or whatever and then they lose that one. They don't have to be persuaded to use it. (laughs) And they want, they want to replace it. It's like, well, I can't get that anymore. I can't get that. That was a hand-me-down from a different sibling and I can't even get that thing anymore. It's like, you know, and I don't think like going to get the things they lost. It's not a shaming thing. It's more like learning not to give up, not to say, oh, well, I guess it's gone forever because the lost and found does exist. And of course you go to lost and found. You, you spend your life in lost and found in elementary school. It's all you're ever doing is in lost you and found. You ever think about that when you're picking through some of our stuff is hung up and most of it's in bins. You ever think about going through there all the like probably like little lice and bugs and stuff that are in there? Yeah. yeah I, I yeah, think I about it. I know. I just I'm curious because it seems like the kind of thing you, I think about it. I think but about I, my, my kids just got lice uh, a couple weeks ago. It's like a comeback. We haven't had lice in forever. We had a near miss two weeks ago. We had a very near miss. My, my son got lice, and he, he encouraged him to get his haircut. It's not as long anymore. I don't oh, know if no, they, he doesn't have his cute floppy hair anymore? It's it's still long. They're so handsome. Not as long, but after going through the lice business. But anyway, mm-hmm. going back, like, go with the kid back to the place and find And I do the same thing when I was picking them up. I, my, my whole thing, but I didn't want to itemize. What I would do is have you got all your stuff or have you got all your things? Have you got, have you got all your stuff? I would ask my kids over and over again. And to the point where they yes, dad, I've got all my stuff. Right. Eventually I think it was like fourth grade or something was like the cutoff where I said, I would give them like a year's warning. So like for like the entire year of third grade, I'd be like, have you got all your stuff? And then follow that up with, you know, next year when you're in fourth grade, I'm not going to ask you if you have all your stuff, you're going to be responsible for <laughs> making sure you have all your stuff. Uh, uh-huh. Champagne wishes and caviar dreams. You do that for an entire year, you know. Good night, Wesley. Sleep well. Most likely kill you in the morning. You do that for an entire year. 
And come fourth grade, I stopped asking, have you got all your stuff? And what the course results in is you leave and they don't have their jacket. And so, you you know, you get home, there's no jacket and you go back to the school with the kid and say, where did your jacket? And you pick it up. And sometimes you go back to school and the school's closed and you can't get back into it. And you're like, well, tomorrow when you go in, we're going to send you in for the jacket, but you have to come home with two jackets. And again, I think my wife really caring about the jackets and thermos things and everything has helped motivate the kid. And also as with all things, giant disclaimer, of course, it depends on your kid, right? A hundred percent depends yeah. on your kid. But this, this system has mostly worked to keep the, uh, what is it called? Shrinkage in the retail business. Keep shrinkage to a minute. Oh, that's shrinkage is theft. This is not theft. This is shrinkage is the, not the opposite, but the corollary of shoplifting, which is when employees take things, but no slippage. <laughs> it's like, where yeah. did that, where did that thing go? We had that thing and now we don't have the thing anymore. So now we can't do this other thing because we don't have that thing. Yeah. And I think for the most part, well, I can only think of a couple things that my kids have lost that have been like, you know, like you just said, where it's like either you liked it or the kid liked it or it was just, you know, you're disappointed to see it go. The, our, our thermoses, some of the parts are dwindling, not always because of loss, but also because of like kid left it in some place that we didn't know about for too long. And now it's grown mold on the inside of it. Yeah, that's, like, that's, no right, well, that's, that's no good. That's no good. It's gone. So I you noticed throw today it out. I had, I was ordering two more Funtainers today, as it turns Stop out. Stop calling them that. Funtainers? Talking about the thermos I, brand I, Funtainers? I I ordered two more Funtainers today, and I noticed that they sell the replacement straws. And Maybe you have to clarify which one of those that you want. But here's the other one that we get is like, you know, she is, and I'm, now we're making about kids, and I did not mean to do that. Uh, she's a voracious reader. And so, like, if she's on, uh, do you guys do Rings, Wings of Fire? Don't know what that is. There's a really good dragon series called Wings of Fire. So she's, we're dying for the five days from now when book 10 arrives. She just was going through those like a crazy person. If it's Friday and she left, you know, she's halfway through the book and left it in her desk, she'll just be like crestfallen. And so, of course, my first thought is, oh, it's okay. We'll get Amazon Prime to bring another one. I'm like, no, stop. Leave it. Do not do that. That is not, that is not a bright pattern. So, see, you should, this is why you should read on Kindle instead of insisting on paper books like a Neanderthal. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you by Blue Apron, the number one recipe delivery service that has the freshest ingredients. You can learn more about Blue Apron right now by visiting blueapron.com slash diffs. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone while supporting a more sustainable food system. They set the highest standards for ingredients, and they're building a community of home chefs. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with fresh, high-quality ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals in 40 minutes or less. Each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients. And by uh, shipping that exact amount of each ingredient required for your recipe, Blue Apron is reducing food waste. Blue Apron's freshness guarantee promises that every ingredient in your delivery arrives ready to cook or they're going to make it right for you. My family loves Blue Apron. It's one of our favorite nights. It's one of the few times we get our daughter to try a new food. And I can tell you it's because she helped to make it. Big fans. When you get your Blue Apron, you can choose from a variety of new recipes each week or let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. You'll be able to cook meals like basil pesto chicken with summer vegetable panzanella, miso butter salmon, and lo mein noodles with cucumber and charm tomatoes, whole grain pasta and summer vegetables with heirloom tomato caprice salad. There's no weekly commitment. You only get deliveries when you want them. 
So go check out this week's menu and you're going to get three meals free with your first purchase, including free shipping, by going to blueapron.com slash diffs. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. Get started today by going to blueapron.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Our thanks to Blue Apron for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Do your kids read Kindle? No, they should, but they don't. <laughs> Victory. I tell them, like, I, Finally. They ha- we have so many <laughs> hand-me-down Kindles. Like, we have Kindles hanging around. I mean, each kid has a Kindle. And I think my daughter has read some stuff on Kindle, but they they both prefer paper books. It's like, all right, fine. Don't, don't be a Luddite. Whatever. Paper books. That's one that I happily suffer in the most arrogant way. I love walking in her room and seeing, like, the cracked spines on all the many, many books that she's read. And I, there's not that many things where I'm this particular guy, but I am so that particular guy where I'm like, they're like, now at this point, they're like a third of the way through Lord of the Rings. And I'm like, I, you know, that's when I just, that's, that's a gimme. I just take a picture of my, my daughter's, she's been reading a lot in summer camp, of course. Um, and she's been bringing her hardcover books for the most part to and from camp in a Ziploc bag, like in a gallon what? Ziploc freezer bag. Because, you know, what? camp, I'm not sure, well, I'm not sure you're familiar with the kind of camp that she's in, but she's in one of those camps where you come home at the end of the day with a soaking wet towel and a soaking wet bathing suit and a soaking wet lunch bag <laughs> with peanut butter squeezing out the edges of it, all shoved into a soaking wet backpack. Oh, every day? So it's like swimming. It involves swimming? Every single day, also covered with mud one of those camps right so if you're going to bring a hardcover book into this environment it's got to be in a ziploc bag and so going to and from camp like this over the course of many weeks the the ziploc bag starts to look like i don't know they start to look like they've been through the washing machine six or seven times and then the book inside there starts to look a little maybe misty or uh you know anyway i i should take a picture of it It's, it's a great you know Showing her, tr- she's trying to protect her things. She understands that's, that. Like- that's super interesting because that also that brings up. So this photo I just sent you, our daughter has has two two primary bags. She has a big, like a, what is it? LL Bean makes the classic like uh, rolly backpack with like pandas on it. I think it's LL Bean, and we get her one of those. Like she gets to pick. And this this is this is actually a little bit one of those uh, like like your lady messenger bag. You're gonna you're gonna make her hunchback. Can't have all the weight on one shoulder. <laughs> she's what are you not doing? a hunchback. What are you doing? Can't all the weight on one shoulder. Come on. <laughs> that's a great it's uneven bag. it's asymmetrical <laughs> yes master <laughs> she's gonna get up she's gonna have a uh, dropsy <laughs> i love that word i used to own dropsy.org um <laughs> but that's the one so but like in the case of i'm not sure where i'm going at this point the yellow bean one we were like look this is really nice this one was very costly and See, I the deal I remember. This is I'm not gonna. My wife doesn't listen to the show. The deal I remember was that this is a pretty nice backpack. You need to take care of this. It's our first wheelie backpack. We said when you get to third grade, you can have this, and this has to last. You. I remember it being a year. She remembers it as my wife having said it has to last you for I think two years or a year and a half. I was like, that's that's banana pants. You get a new backpack every year, and then I was like, "Oh, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up! Don't talk." Don't you get talk. a new backpack every year, whether you need one or not. Oh my god, are you kidding? They rode hard and hung up wet. No, I mean, but, we, we were rough on the backpacks. I mean, we've gone through a couple of, but I don't think it's been yearly. Well, I just, years. I like it because it's, it's a nice treat. I think that's part of the, the thing. Yeah, but, backpacks are expensive and they should oh last more God. than a year. All right, sorry. I'll follow a bug. 
my only point being, wow, I don't know why I do this show. You just always make me feel like a bad person. That no, oh, I make do. you feel. You do that. Reaching you in, do that. Reaching inside you and making you feel Boy. a certain way. Um. Oh, and before we uh, move on, you mentioned something before that I have to follow up on because yeah. my wife asked me about it as soon as she listens to this episode. Where do you find the replacement straws? Because she recently said to me that she can't get replacement straws for the really tall thermos things. Not the, you know, sort of... Not the Fontainer, but a bigger one? Yeah, the tall ones, you know. Uh, here are thermos replacement straws for 12-ounce Fontainer bottle clear. Maybe we don't have thermos brand. Maybe we have off-brand ones. Anyway, send me a link or something because she recently mm-hmm. told me, oh, you know, we can't get the long straws anymore. So don't lose that small one because now we're using a small straw in the long in the long container, which is... Oh, that's no good. Anyway. You don't want that. Yeah, it is no good, but like it's better than no straw. Yeah. But in that case, that the reason I mentioned that here is, well, uh, first of all, she always... She takes so many books to school. It's really, it's frankly embarrassing. Yeah, I love it. But uh, in the um, that so when she goes off to camp, she usually in that she's got a lunch bag, she's got this bag. She's very good with bags, and I'm not going to tell her this, but I think there's a little bit of a life hack here, which is I think she bonds with her bag a little bit. And like to me now, I'm trying to figure out how to leverage that into now. The key is when you're somewhere that's not where mom and I are reminding you. How will you remember to put something in the bag? Because maybe this is this is again now we're back to my mentality because like I'm crazy about my backpack like i lost my backpack once for an hour maybe (laughs) in the last 15 years where i told you that story i think where i left it somewhere and then like i realized it wasn't there and i just wanted Mm -hmm. to panic but like to me that's that again to bring it around that's another bulwark against madness is like these things always go in this pocket the ipad always goes here Uh, the green bag full of my various uh, pills and remedies always goes you know there and like, so I'm just trying to figure out if I could maybe leverage that because now that now to, to bring it back, back around now that becomes something that she cares about, you know, not enough to yeah. like take her lunch out when she gets well, home or anything like that. Yeah, but. That's transferring your anxiety to your children as we've discussed in the past. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to find the right mix of that. I'm, I'm trying not to do that in a way that is negative, unfair or harmful. But like, on the other hand, you know, there's the positive reinforcement angle. You know, which is the like, you know what? Maybe I cannot expect her to care about every single thing, but if I make her care about one more thing, that's that's progress. You sure you sent me the right picture of this thing with the tigers on it? Is that's a bag? What? Tigers on it, that's a bag. Oh, the that's a Timbuktu bag? San Francisco Zoo. Oh, I was Got just sending you that for fun. Your, a bunch of pictures of your daughter with Michael Palin. <laughs> I used to look like Michael Palin. I people used to tell me. Did you hear on the flop house they made a full circle with Michael Palin reference? I was like, yes, it's like on a long enough timeline, full circle with Michael Palin. Have fun storm in the castle. People used to tell me I look like either either Carrie Elways or uh, Michael Palin when I was young. That was a very long time ago. You definitely, you definitely want to cultivate the the the, the, the Wesley comparison, and you do not want to because yeah, Michael (laughs) Palin is not it's not the one you want. Michael Palin looks. What are you talking about? Shut your mouth. Michael Palin looks great. You know how old he is? <laughs> Says the person who looks just like Michael Palin. <laughs> you think I don't look good for 50 is what you're telling me? How old is Michael Palin? Is he like 70? He's got to be at least like 55. <laughs> <laughs> He's not 50. Come on. No. Well, well, Iron Man's older than you? Well, no offense, but <laughs> no offense, she says. That is a tradition. Every time we go to the zoo, we pay way too much. 
and we have standard poses that we do, and we always get our photos took. Without Googling, without Googling, okay. serious guess, how old is Michael Palin? 76. 74. Oh, okay. Oh, isn't it weird when you find out somebody you think of as being from another generation is, say, 10 years older than you? Yeah. Are you getting to that age yet? Because I'm definitely at that age where I go like, wait a minute. Well, first of all, how was Chuck Berry alive for that long? It's still very <laughs> upsetting to me that Chuck Berry lived that long. It seemed like if there's anybody who should Marvin, be- forget it, though. It's gone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Marvin had a hard life. Marvin had trouble with focus. Yeah, how is Chuck Berry still alive? Is he, he's dead now, isn't he? Did he die? Know. Chuck is dead. Chuck is not dead. I think he just died, didn't he? Maybe. What am I thinking of? Chuck Berry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. March, uh, March 2017. Yeah, they did a sound opinions on him. Well, then let's pivot a little bit. Can we pivot a little bit? Well, not, that's a sub-pivot. It's not, not the full pivot. It's a sub-pivot. Because I got, I got one I, I've been wanting to ask you about. All right. It's almost impossible and at least certainly uninteresting to talk about. You talk about this a lot on uh, your ATP program with your buddies. But um, wanting things like, it could go all the way down to your profile, but all the way up to your windows and your tabs. You seem to have, and I don't want, I don't want to make it too nerdy, but you seem to have more than just a strong feeling. Like you have like, it feels like almost an ethos about the way that you use the graphical user interface to arrange your electronic world. It seems like it's very, and I'm again, I, I, I want to seed you something like a profile or how, like how your development environment works. But like the, it seems like it's been important to you for a long time to have the, the GUI on your computer the way you want, folders, whether you're going to have a, a Zelda the Horse Boy on there. It seems like you really think about all that stuff and you have a plan. I think if anyone looked at my computer, like it's the it's the virtual equivalent of like the messy university professor's desk, like with just crap everywhere and like piles of books and old papers. Like it is it is a mess for the most part. Really like your desktop? Um, eh, desktop less so, but I mean, just like if you were to look at my screen, just glance at it. Okay. That's what would come to mind because there's a lot of windows and they're all so all over the place, seemingly haphazard in the same way that you know a messy professor's office would seem to be haphazard, but it's like, no, this stack over here is, are these things. And then the journals are over there and they're alphabetical. Like there is a system to it, but it looks just like a giant mess. Cause there's so much but stuff. To, to clarify it. that's that that's many, um, that could be, that could be folders. It could be windows per Mostly app windows. And, and there's, but there's, there's probably several apps visible with part of their windows. Yeah, so. yeah. Like, I mean, right now it's just, it's just a giant mess. And the, there's two aspects of this. One is in the same way of the messy professor's office. Part of it has to do with the fact that the professor's office is small because university professors don't have big giant offices, right? They have the little offices that fill with junk over time, right? So mm-hmm. the limited screen real estate means it's just not that much place things. And I'm not like a multiple desktop type person because that just feels like having your crap in seven different rooms and it makes harder. Um, and, you know, my screen's... I'm a I'm a big single screen type of person. Mm-hmm. And one, one big single, like a lot of developers. I mean, I'm not telling you this, but a lot of developers like to have two screens, uh, two identical screens instead of one big one. Yeah, I don't like that. I like the one big screen, and it's only 23 inch that I'm looking at right now uh, on the the 5K iMac. My wife's computer. I don't really do much setup there, but so it does look like a big messy thing. But on the other hand, the entire attraction part of the entire attraction for me for computers is that it's this world divorced from the physical world where mm-hmm. for hmm. example you can write a character and erase it and it is 100% gone whereas on a typewriter you can back over with the whiteout thing or use actual whiteout or with like a pencil you can erase it but in all those cases it's not a perfect thing and if you 
write a letter and then erase it and write a letter and then erase it over and over again in any sort of real world thing, you eventually like wear through the paper or make a big giant mess, right? Whereas on a computer, you can write a letter and erase it forever and ever, and it never wears through the paper, and your eraser never wears out, and you can never tell that it was there. So everything on a computer is, you know, appeals to my sense of order in that there's nothing you can do to make things messy in, in an analog sense. Like all these windows that you have, you bring an application to the front and hit command option H to hide others, mm-hmm. they 100% disappear. They're still there. You didn't lose them, but they completely disappear. Like it is possible to order things and move things. And that's why it drives me nuts when I, when I arrange things in a certain way and they don't, it doesn't honor my wishes because it could. Like there's nothing stopping it from doing that. It's a little bit, we talked about this on Do By Friday, uh, <laughs> A month ago at this point, but because uh, this is a double wraparound episode, but uh, like, you know, packing cubes or bags in bags, like in your case, like, you know that, okay, I'm now, or you think about it almost like a, like a mind map, like you've zoomed into this certain level and like, here's all the stuff that happens at that level. You can control all that in the way you want. Are you, are you, are you hypnotized by my uh, current screenshot? Yeah, I was just looking at it. I'm trying to take a screenshot for you to see, <laughs> to see what. See what we're dealing with here. I did not do any special cleanup here. This is just like, uh, and I'm a big Command Shift H guy. Ooh, boy, do I love that. I, uh, ooh, I couldn't live without it. Yeah, send me yours. Yeah. So this, I mean, this is more of a mess than usual because I haven't kept things in order here. But, but yeah, Whoa. if you look at that, there's your, there's your messy, there's your messy oh professor's gosh. desk, right? Wow, wow, wow. And this it looks like not just chaos. I, <gasps> this is not what I, oh my gosh, you put your Skype on the right. That's so interesting. Upper right. Now, see, that that's the type of thing. The, those Skype windows uh, probably haven't moved in forever except through accidental moving. Like, it's already bothering me that the call recorder is not at the same level as current call. That's probably from an accidental move somehow. Mm. Um, you see, I always do mine. I, I kind of usually, like, compulsively move mine around until they're sort of roughly centered. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you work like this. How, well, what part? I don't have anything up. I've got, got a Skype. I've got a screen. You got no, there's nothing there. Well, um, I use... I still really miss light switch. What do you use to... For an app switcher, uh, an app switcher. I mean, like, like I'm like an animal, use... like an animal. I'm using the standard command yeah, tab. Yeah, just use command tab. That's it. Really? Yeah. You're yeah, kidding? I don't use which or light switch or anything. I like thought that, which yeah. was confusing, but I miss light switch. Light switch, man. The uh, shift in the what is it? Command shift. What's the other one? What's the other one? I don't even remember how to do it anymore. This is so sad. But the like the ability to go back and forth without needing the arrow keys is so big for me. I miss that. No, you think there's not enough stuff. See, do you, wait, let me look. Are you a bartender man? I am. You can't, you, I hide the thing, but I am using it just because it's the only way I can get sane ordering of my, right. um, again, I want the icons in the upper right to be in some kind of reasonable order. Right. And when Apple changed the OS so that it didn't honor my order anymore, I, I bought bartender just, just for that one oh, feature. So, so maddening. And still, and so are you in a hacksy for your, um, for your dingus on the right there for your uh, doc? What is that? No, it's drag thing. Oh, that's dra- of course drag thing. You guys were just talking about that. Yeah, this is interesting. I, you know what I love about this, and I, I'm not a believer in commenting on people's setup. I hate when people comment on mine. I like your setup. This feels like a very old school Mac way to roll, and it makes me feel good to see it. Yeah, I could explain all these different things like that. Even though it looks like a mess, like there is there's meaning to where things are placed. The problem is even talking about this now. Now you know what's going to happen because I've gone through this with another show I do, which is we are now going to get innumerable 
requests to share these things and there's no yeah, way no, I'm I never that. do I never do I, I refuse to do people that. ask the same thing on ATP like no you don't get to see a movie of me working why no. are you not using OmniFocus anymore because it's not because mostly because it's impossible why don't to, you use Monaco 10 instead it's possible impossible to sort of anonymize it right you can't like if you blur if it's out, honest if it's honest it, it looks like one of those freaking minimalist desk things where you're like oh you you Instagram that up to like look a certain way. Yeah, no, but I'm saying this is what it looks like. But there is there is a system to this, and like the appeal to me of everything inside the computer is that you can get it just so. You absolutely can get it just so. You can't break the bindings on things. You can align things down to the pixel, which is why I was frustrated by the OS's general resignation. Uh, uh, you know, uh, when it comes to window arranging, I know Sierra has the window snapping thing added or whatever, but I, I've always, if I could add my own system extension type thing. I have lots of ideas about it, like window snapping and grids and, and gutters and borders and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. tons of people make applications like this. And every time I mention it, people recommend them all to me and none of them do what I want, uh, which is fine. They do what they do what other people want. There's but. all kinds of like potential opportunities to like, there has been for years. And then, you know, it feels like, I know this is wrong. I'm pulling this out of my butt, but it really does feel like, uh, to some extent seven, but eight and nine were kind of the glory days, maybe too far of like all these different ways. I'm not just talking about kaleidoscope, but like all the different ways, all the different tiny little shareware things that you could get for just doing this one kind of thing. So like, you know, when Apple introduces a feature slash improvement slash fashion item, like quote unquote transparency or translucency, like, oh, it's like, oh, I can, I can so see how that would be useful for a thing but like as a thing where like I've got a piece of UI and I can see half translucent stuff scrolling behind it or a leopard pattern, behind, no pass, like hard pass. So I see all of those things. And, and the and I always think about things like, are there apps, are there apps that would let you drag to select multiple windows that are open? I think on the classic days, there were a couple of better options for window arrangement, some of which might've let you pair up some windows and move them at the same time. But really like a lot of I'm, most of my memory of classic is individual applications would decide they had some ideas about window arrangement. Mm-hmm. I, I seem to recall one of the big graphic apps. Maybe it was Adobe, or maybe it was uh, uh, Freehand back even before you know maybe before Macromedia bought them. Anyway, they would have snapping behaviors for their palettes. Mm-hmm. They still do. I mean, it's still like the the, the palette system of like snapping them. Right. Oh, for sure. Adobe had that where like if you were doing your, your little palettes for like back in the bezel, like the big um, uh, bezel days where you'd have like a big frame around them, they would snap. Or I feel like it had almost the equivalent of that lower right diagonal drag where you could like say, oh, I want it to be eight this way or four that way. And it would. Am I remembering that right? Yeah, they've gone through a lot of iterations. In this and Maybe it wasn't even a graphics app. The one I'm remembering, though, is back in the classic days. Do you remember the window style where the title bar had dots in it instead of lines? It was a skinnier title bar than normal. It had a closed box in the left, and it had a dotted background. Do you remember those windows in classic? This would be in... No, I don't think I do. You would know one. I'm conflating it, 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 it with, the, with the gray, the early gray lines on 10, I think. It was the palette look. It was the, what they use for floating palettes. Oh, like um, tick, 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 these three, this is a grabby area, that kind of thing? Yeah, the title yeah. bar part. Yeah, yeah, I know um, what you mean. Anyway, a couple of applications in Classic had a thing where they would let you arrange those little floaty windows and then it would enforce gutters between them, right? So you could arrange them. They would sort of magnetically snap to each other, but they wouldn't touch. They would leave like three or four pixels between them, top oh, and bottom, okay. left and right. 
and between them and the screen edge. And so you can make these little islands of snap together pieces by sliding them along with these nice gutters between them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love a feature like that uh, across the entire OS. And again, Sierra has the the grids, the, the window snapping thing. Have you noticed that in Sierra? Do, do you care about that in Sierra? I played with it when I first got it on my adorable and it, I, it was one of the, one of the classic, like, Oh, I could see why somebody would like that, but that's this Casey really isn't Casey really into that. I mean, I can imagine a lot of people being kind of into it and especially for the whole things of like people who want to divvy up their screen, like they're slicing it up like, Oh, this is the left half or the right half or thirds or stuff like that. And then, but that's not entirely what I want. And it's not particularly adjustable either. Do you use it for multiple terminal windows? Is that where that's handy? Well, I don't have Sierra on because I can't run Sierra on my Mac because it's too old. Oh, no, but I mean like, oh, right. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. That was too soon. Mm. Yeah, it's tough. Um, but but yeah, that, I don't I don't think it's going to be going to suit my needs. But, but either way, like I just the old fashioned way of just like drag the windows where you want it. It leaves things to be a little bit haphazard. But mm-hmm. in general, I, I I can put them around them. And 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 yeah, so like on my computer, everything that I do on a regular basis has a place. In the same way, the wallet and the keys like go in certain places. Skype always goes a certain place. Chrome always goes in a certain place. Yeah, I mean, think about like how you take a shower. Where like that'll change over time, maybe. But like, I feel like that's an example of like where if you really thought about it, uh, and it sounds silly, but like if you really thought about how you take a shower, I bet that it is well over eighty percent the same in a lot of ways from shower to shower. Like, what's your order? Like, do you wash this side first or that side first? Like, do you, how do you shampoo condition? Do you do the shave? You know what I'm saying? Like, where like I think most people would not realize you might look at somebody like us talking about these crazy window things. Oh yes, I love this look. This was eight, that, right? That was the that was the uh, Aaronification, the the Copelandification, the right. macOS eightification. There was a there was a version of that before the platinum look. Right. Mm-hmm. So imagine that, but unplatinum it in your mind and mm-hmm. make those little pips be actual single pixel dots instead of like the pseudo 3D double pixel pips. Right. Anyway, that kind of window. Yeah, that was a good look. I want to say that's around. Well, it's probably. Well, what is this app? That's Mac OS 8 and, and later. Okay. Or as soon as uh, that's, that's post platinum. Oh, I kind of miss that look. It's awesome. I like the way that looked. All right. Well, can I can I do the. Um, I mean, if it's interesting for you to say, because we still have to do our smaller smut. Do you, do you have any more of the things where you talk about whatever you want? But I would be curious to know if there are things where there's a surprising delta on something having. I'm avoiding saying things that bug you or don't bug you, especially with coworkers and and your family. But like, are there any like weird things where like it's shocking to you how different you and somebody else are? It doesn't have to be your family. Where like, like the example I gave is that sometimes I would just be like, what is that smell? And she's like, oh yeah, it smells like, uh, it smells like a, like a wet dog. And I go, no, it doesn't smell like a wet dog. Like it's, it smells like, you know, uh, you know, a rug in an attic or something like that. Or like, don't you smell that weird fart smell? It's like, no, I don't smell it at all. And you start to really think like how, how, what Roderick Usher problem do we have that we don't sense this the same way? Do you have any of those? We've already talked about spelling the show with the whole uh, like ma- the mail. Like okay, mil- so the mail. Duty. There's one. There's one piece. There's one piece of mail here, and everybody's okay with that. There's two pieces of mail here, and maybe everybody's kind of okay with that. There's a pile eight inches high, and there's like only one person in the house who's bothered by it, and they feel like they're losing their mind. 
Yeah, I gotta let go of a lot of those things because my wife is a piler, and uh, piles. every horizontal, every sort of you know flat surface in the house. <laughs> every time one of the piles if, falls falls over, I yell "trick house." It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm in like some kind of a prank house. Oh boy, too many folders. Trick house. If left undefended, <laughs> like you should try this experiment. I don't know if you have the same exact problem, but if left undefended, if there's like, for example, say you get a new piece of furniture in the house. Hey, we got a new end table or we got a new, like, I don't know, coffee table or whatever. Anything that has a flat surface on the top of it <laughs> at, of any, even a bookshelf. He's like, bookshelf doesn't count because the top surface of a bookshelf is like practically touching the ceiling. That doesn't count. 100% counts. Mm-hmm. Any horizontal surface, if left undefended will be filled with piles and piles of crap until there's so much crap that you can't pile any more stuff on it. Yeah. And that is mostly because of my wife. She knows this and I know this and it's just something I have to deal with. If left to my own devices, this would not be the case. But I am like you, speaking of smells, on the smells things. Remember the, the mold in my front door? I was Only you, the you mold thought it was racing. maybe some moisture under your, your door frame and you were the only one that was this bothered by it. Yeah, or the only one that could smell it at all. I thought our entire house because it had to be burned down. Black mold is infecting everywhere, right? And turned Shut out it, it was apparently just a, a mild case of mildew, which, by the way, I can still smell, but now I'm not anxious about it because the mold sure? man came. Are you really sure you still smell it? 100% still okay. smell it. Like, I didn't smell it as much in the winter, but now that the weather warmed up again, I could smell it again. And I've, I've been doing the white vinegar thing on it, which he suggested as a mildew mm-hmm. treatment thing. You know, So it's not the bit. But I, I have a very sensitive sense of smell, which I got from my mother, apparently, because her whole thing back in the house that I spent most of my growing up in was that she could smell the basement. She could smell the basement door was open from across the across the house, right? Because the basement's got a little bit of that. Oh, like a sulfur or kind of smell? Just a musty smell. Oh, the, like, the mildewy like a, kind of like uh, wet old documents. But barely, because we had a, a mostly finished basement in this house. So it's not like it was like a typical, it wasn't a root cellar down there, right? Do you like, believe it? <laughs> do you believe she could do that? Yeah, because I could do it too, right? It didn't bother me. Wow. Much, but but I, I have a very sensitive sense of smell that I think I inherited from her. And so I am more sensitive to smells like that. But the only time it comes up is when the smell, it was when I connect the smell with something that I, that I should be anxious about. So it's like, all right, things smell, whatever. But there's two things. One, a smell that is never going to wear or is only going to get worse. And two, a smell that means like, your giant investment in your home is now like at risk, right? So like, is that black mold? Is that there's a smell that I smell that I don't care anyone else smells it, but I smell it and it makes me think perhaps we're gonna have to burn down our house. Right? Like that there, you know, because you hear all these horror stories. We went through the mold thing before already. Like there is an anxiety connected with that smell. Yes. Not just like, oh I smelled and the smell is bothering well, you get you get trigger you get triggered a little bit. That's that's also me and moisture. Where I'm like, does anybody else think it's weird that there's moisture here? Like, oh, I think the, is the toilet leaking? Like, is that normal oh, moisture yeah. there? Any, any any water anywhere? What does that mean? Where is the water coming from? How do we stop it from being it's there? A, you like, you said it the, before, John Syracuse. It's the homeowner's greatest nemesis is, is moisture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I just did. Did I tell you about my elective plumbing? I think no, I tell did me. tell you. Uh, so there's a bunch of things in my basement that I've been looking at since we moved in this house. You've just been eyeing them. Just been like. You know, remember sort of the, I talked to you about that, the house awareness of like which things are old or broken or going to break. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been looking at things in my basement since we got this house. Like two of them were the spigots that go, you know, the hose spigots front and back of the house. Yeah. We attached the hose outside. They worked. They were okay. Oh, this is a, this is like my, this is a, a side-eyed stove commentary. Like you're, you're saying like, okay, how many, how many more calendars will we rip off before the spigot does something? And then how many more before it's like gone? Yeah, so when I was first came in the house, you know, this is our first home. 
that we ever bought, our only home that we ever bought. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, when you own a home and you're in New England and the winter's coming, you got to turn off your outside spigots because otherwise the pipes will freeze and they'll burst and you'll your house will be destroyed. Again, water, right? Oh, God. Um, so I go to turn off the spigots the first winter we're in this house and turning the, the you know, the, the little shutoff valves next to the spigots causes water to leak out of said shutoff valves. The only position in which water does not leak out is full hmm. open. So I left them full open. And because our house is so poorly insulated and because the furnace is so inefficient, the, the boiler is so inefficient, the thing that heats our house is so inefficient, mm -hmm. heat in the basement radiates out the pipes and never allows ice to form in the spigots, even in the dead of winter. That's so we're in the house like 10, 15 years or whatever, however long we've been here. Yeah. And that has been the case. But... Now I know, since year one that we've been in the house, that I have a bunch of shutoff valves that don't, that are they're done, like they're dead, like the, the the seals and mechanisms inside them have worn away or rusted or otherwise deteriorated to the point where that shutoff valve doesn't work anymore. And the only position in which water does not continuously spray out of the thing is full open, and that's not good. It's not good to have that. It's not catastrophic yet, but it's just a matter of time. It's basically, but if you if you try to close it, it like water sprays out of it, like not just a little drip, like sprays out of it, right? Okay, and, yeah, right. And then so I have my dishwasher uh, valve. Do you know what a dishwasher valve is? I don't, uh, not a dishwasher I valve. Don't Wash, washing machine valve. Sorry, not a dishwasher. Washing machine valve. Do you know what I'm like talking a hose, about? Like a hosey turny. So you've got uh, their their code in uh, Massachusetts. Who knows in your in California where you you can make a building out of toothpicks? Apparently, and no one cares. You got hot and cold water going to your washing machine to wash your clothes. And they both enter a valve with a shutoff on it so that you can shut off the water to the washing machine right there with like just a lever, right? Right. And this is the actual, you know, you can, there's all sorts of fancy ones with electronic shutoffs or whatever, but like the typical mechanical one is just has a little lever in the middle and then hot and cold to go in. And, it, and attach, you attach to the washing machine valve, you attach those, those hoses that come with your washing machine. The hot one, the hose goes down to the hot in the washing machine. You know you know the hose I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they've got a hosey attachment thingy. Right. So two things about that. One, the the washing machine valve, the shutoff thing, you can turn the knob. Again, we found this out as soon as we moved in. Like, oh, you, they say, well, if you're going on vacation, turn off the knob on your thing because if the, if the washing machine hoses burst while you're away, your entire basement will flood. So turn off the valve. So you can turn it on ours and it turns off and it doesn't spare water everywhere. But I was pretty sure from day one that it wasn't actually shutting off the water to the washing machine. Kind of confirmed that in various ways. Say, yeah, it's probably not really shutting things off. It kind of shuts it off a little bit, but not really shuts it off. And the second thing is those hoses that are going to the washing machine. I'm like, how old are those hoses? How long are you supposed to have them? How many? How often should you get them replaced? This is if like this burst? is like what happened with our water heater when our water heater gave up the ghost. It was just, it was like everything, it's one of the classic, like everything will be fine until one day when it's not. You, there's no drip you will get out of this. It goes straight from it is working fine to water is now running at gallons per minute in the house. That depends. You can get lucky. We've got lucky with a couple of water heaters where they did have an early phase of mild spraying of water before oh, <laughs> letting God, it I loose and that. destroying it. My landlord said that's how it normally happens, though, is that in his experiences that it just... Boop, that's it. There's a crack, and then there's a whole dike situation. Yeah, so you got to keep an eye on the dates and those so things. So the hoses, but, what are you going to do about the hoses? All right, so the, obviously the hoses, just buy yourself new hoses. Go to Home Depot, buy yourself new washing machine hoses. Mm -hmm. That was one of those projects that would be in the back of my mind, like that would never actually get done. It's a perfect like example of you're getting things done thing of like, yeah. like you know, 
you're there and yeah, it how much to you. time do you spend worrying about that versus how much time do you spend actually making the next the next physical motion that can get you closer to the goal of having new hoses yeah right uh <laughs> and so for years i never did anything about that so i've got the the washing machine valve i've got the hoses the hoses did get replaced once when we replaced the washing machine so it's like oh we're gonna order the hoses i got fresh hoses again but then you're in the house for five more years and you're like uh right <laughs> and then i've got the shut off valves for the outside spigots and very recently this, you know, it accumulated to the point where it's like, you know what? I'm going to do a bunch of elective plumbing, like plumbing uh, where you call the plumber come, to come to your house where there's no water leaking and everything works. And you just say, replace those shutoff valves, replace those spigots, replace the washing machine valve and replace the hoses with metal hoses and did it all. And it was one of the best, one of the best investments I ever made in terms of anxiety and peace of mind. Oh, 100 percent. It's like the feeling like when you plumbing. used to, you wouldn't back back when you'd like take your you had to take your car to the mechanic like every so often just because there's always something that it needed, you know? And then they say, so you got a bad timing belt, for example, like where they would just go, you know what? Here's the thing. Like you could get in front of this and take care of this. And if you've got a mechanic that you trust, like you will, you will get that done before it's a problem. That's a nice feeling. With the car also, because it's like you're already there and it's such a hassle to like have to bring the car and it's like you want to pile it up. But this is like, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong in the house. Nothing was leaking. Nothing was non-functional or anything like that. And we just just did it all, and just you know, I mean, I, I don't know if the person was looking at it weird. It's like, here's what I want: I want this, that, 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 and like, and they could see like, oh, this is all I can see. You're replacing it. I can imagine the plumber thinking, well, you have about eighty five other ancient valves in this basement that probably need to replace. And it's true, but it's like I'm not made of money, right? It costs <laughs> costs a surprising amount of money to have a plumber do anything in your house. Um, so I did did replace a bunch of stuff. So now I have. And, you know, not just the shutoff valves, but the shutoff valves, like replacing those, you couldn't, once they cut the shutoff valves out, it was impossible to graft on new ones because it was like galvanized pipe and other ancient crap that they couldn't make a joint with. And it was like, so you basically just need new spigots too. I'm like, good, get, because those are busted and crappy too. So shiny new spigots, shiny new shutoff valves with drain at, with like, you know, the correctly done. So you can like, when you shut them off in the window, you can drain out the water that's in them with a little drainy thing. Uh, a, a new washing machine valve because actually we got our new washing machine. This is what precipitated all this new mm-hmm. washing machine. And the guy's like, your washing machine valve is basically shot. I'd be like, I know I've only known for 15 years. Give me a little time. I'll get, I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> right. He's like, technically I shouldn't even install this washing machine because according to code, you have to have a functional one and I can tell this one isn't functional, but I've solved it anyway. And it's weeping a little bit of water, but I knew from experience that it would stop weeping eventually once whatever expanded and you just never touch it or whatever. But it's obviously held together by rust and like water pressure. And so it needed to all go. So I was glad to get rid of all of that. I was at least listening to a recent episode of um, this podcast I like called No Such Thing as a Fish. And it's a, it's a little bit turns out, but it's the, they call them the, the QI elves, I think they're called. It's like the, the four people who do research for this British quiz show. And so each week they bring in like a, an interesting fact and then the others bring in facts related to that. Um, and it's a really fun, uh, fast paced um, British podcast, but they were talking about, I don't know, I forget what this came up in the context of, but a week, a couple of weeks ago, the episode, they talked about a guy in China who has extraordinary, not just sight, but a st- extraordinary like acuity at noticing in impossibly small differences in things to where like he can identify small objects from so many like hundreds of feet away. But the one that I'm still thinking about, I cannot google this to find if if this is an actual thing but you know they're pretty good about this that's their job but he supposedly was able to distinguish 
between something like, I know it's over 100, I want to say 200 different uh, glasses of water that were otherwise identical. And he was able to pick out the one that was uh, to be identified. The one that, not just the one that was different, but the one that like had been identified as the one he was supposed to find. What was different about them? The glasses of water? They had different amounts of water in them, or were the glasses different? They were all like like nominally identical. But like I guess my question is like, is that guy's life just a living hell? If that is true, if you had that kind of ability, like would your life be a living hell? So like notice that like I think about stuff like where like I'm not even that like crazy or obsessive about order stuff, but like I do get a little bit of that cable sasser thing where when they put the sewer lid down and the lines don't line up, it kind of bugs me. I can't imagine like being able to look at like something like a beautiful like field of wheat and notice like one plant that's broken or something like that. Is that one of those, I don't know, it's not deja vu, one of those terrible moments that right before you said cable sasser, I was looking at a screenshot from one of my Google image searches that made me think cable would hate this or cable would appreciate. Remember he posts photos of, of especially stuff like, isn't it like, it would be something where like poor, uh, not poor craftsmanship, but carelessness would would um, make something in a relatively not permanent, but like in a long time state, like look wrong, like the lines don't. Take a look at this picture I just sent you. Yeah, it's cool. I am. I, I do. Is this, is this kaleidoscope? No, this was actually part of the OS. You remember, you could you could pick the color. Is this this theme. is nine? Uh, eight. Eight. eight okay. Nine. Eight or nine. They're both. I think it's nine. The, it's got the, the it's got the platinum. solid lines and all that. In the platinum era, maybe eight five was when they did the theme manager. Anyway, okay. take a look at the different things. It's basically just picking a color tint for you know the, your your progress bars and your scroll thumbs. This is a little lavender. palette, a palette called Appearance. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a control panel: lavender, lime, magenta, right? And mm-hmm. you see how it's just it's just adding a color tint to these things, right? But and and these are these are preview images. Like you pick lavender, it's going to look like this. You pick lime, it's going to look like this, right? Mm-hmm. But the choice to make the preview images be at like a jaunty angle, it's not a forty-five degree angle, and it's not like you know the way it would be on the screen. The choice to do that on a system with fairly large pixels, like that means that basically you can't just take an actual screenshot of what it would look like. It's rotated, but you can't just rotate it whatever this is like. 37 degrees because it'll look all jaggy and like it like the, the artistic oh, choice right. to say right we're gonna have and i would say cable that would drive him nuts because or at least the very least he would appreciate the challenge like you've this is on hard mode because yeah you could just show a thing of what it looks like but that but would this be boring is, we're we, not talking about retina screen here like you're gonna get some weird yeah. ass blocks and and at least make it 45 so you can do your diagonals as perfect little stair steps right mm-hmm. but no this is like 35 degrees all in service of the artistic you know, the artistic effect of it being on a cute little jaunty angle. It needed, but it definitely needed to not be one of the, not ordinal, but like, obviously it can't be horizontal. It can't be vertical and it can't be diagonal. It has to look different than a clickable piece of UI. Right. That's exactly it. Like, you know, this, this one screenshot. And I was thinking that the cable would appreciate this. And then like a second and a half later, you said cable sass. We're both probably thinking of because Transmit 5 is out today. Or, you know, no, whatever. no, I'm just thinking because he used to post these hilarious. I'm thinking of like, all I'm thinking about is like, imagine that there is like this road and it's got a manhole cover or sewer lid, whatever you call it. And it's got like part of like a, let's say a bike lane, like white stripe over it. And like, I, I feel like that's the kind of thing that he would post a photo of. of like, how could you possibly like, put this thing back down or it like it makes it look you know like it's it's there's two of these here instead of one it's parallel it's at the wrong angle it's just it's sort of like you said with those the photos about driving people nuts with one thing being out of place yeah and so for for the noticing getting back to the noticing yeah. this guy like 
aside from him being really good, like those people magazine, like uh, what's different in these two images, you know, mm-hmm. that thing. I don't know if you, if you have people magazine is in your house, people magazine is in my house. Anyway, mm. um, they do that thing. Like kind of like highlights, but yeah, for adults. Say highlights. Right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they have two pictures. You got to see what's different in the pictures. Like I noticed lots of small things as well. But like I said, with the smells, noticing things is not like, boy, it must be difficult where you can notice all these little things. It's not a burden to notice things. It's only a burden when the thing that you noticed is connected in some way with something that causes you anxiety. Like, oh, I've noticed there's a little bit of water dripping here. Or like say, I can't like, have I, water I, dripping in my house because. Like you're you know, sensitive to smoke, for example, just because like even like if you've got um, a kind of a triggery hang up about fire or smoke, you know, as a dangerous thing, like your house burning down, like maybe you've had like a bad, you have a sense memory of being a little kid and smelling like a burned house. And so like, even like somebody lights a match, my daughter's very sensitive about flame. She's very worried about something catching on fire and that, but you're talking about that kind of thing, right? Where you would go like, Oh, that triggers this uh, sense memory for me. Or or not just triggers. Like there's a practical concern. Like if you find something in your house where water is dripping, Mm -hmm. like it's not the type of thing you'd be like, Oh, I'm sure that'll fix itself. Because it's not going to fix itself. A, a leak is only going to get worse. And any place where there's water dripping, even if it's just one little drip and it never does get worse, you can't yeah. you can't have that in your house. You can't uh, have water just yeah. continually dripping out of any part of your house ever. You just, I mean, maybe a sink you can get away with because like whatever, it'll just go down the drain and it'll be fine. But pretty much any other place, yeah. you can't have the water, right? So you happen to notice a tiny bead of, of water there and someone else might not notice it. The only reason you have anxiety is because that's actually... A thing that you have to worry about and the fact that you noticed it is you know is you're you're able to notice these small differences or you know out of the corner of your eye or whatever uh, but you notice a million other things that are, that are like that are inconsequential right that that you know the trim on that door is different than the trim on this door or there's two coats of paint on here but only one on there so you can see different surface details or this room you're siding like the way your siding was put on yeah well that's you don't need to be you don't need to have too much of a sense of detail but to notice <laughs> that. But it was not, yeah. Anyway, uh, all this is to say, I think the the uh, Chinese uh, glass of water noticing guy is fine, except for the fact that he is able to know before most other people all the things that are actually going to be legitimately props. Like, I don't think there's any reason that, you know, acuteness, that like being able to notice details has to necessarily be connected with and you're bothered by everything. Like noticing that one has two coats of paint and one has one is one thing. It doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be bothered. Oh, I can't. Ha- I can't sleep in this room because that door frame has two coats of paint, but the other door frame has one. No, you notice it. Yes, but you don't necessarily have to be bothered by it. You get that Bobby Hill thing. There's a carton of milk. How's it go? Like there's a carton of milk in the refrigerator that's about to go bad, and mm. there it goes. <laughs> You just throw out the milk. It's not no big deal. <sighs> yeah, watching though, you got to keep. So here's another one of mine, and then we'll wrap this up because we got to talk about the TV show. I, uh, you know me, and stocking up. I'm not quite like your lady with the like the paper supplies, but like it's my job to make sure. Go shake the half and half, see how much is in there, and smell the milk. Make sure it's still good because if that runs out, God forbid, or if that doesn't smell good, like that's boo dad. So like I'm also like supply cop. You know, one for me, I think I said, it's boring, but like some of the kitchen stuff, like I always want the colander to be right here. I know I've said this before, but like a colander should always be here. Glasses should always be in here the same way. And like, I, I, I take it kind of personally when it's not there. And that kind of makes me a bad person. 
But doesn't that drive you a little bit nuts? It would be like, you know, you think about, you know, uh, my grandfather's little area in the garage with the tools all like kind of knolled out with the white lines around him. So he knows this is exactly where this particular wooden handled screwdriver goes. I'm like, I would never in a million years think of just go grabbing one of his screwdrivers and like playing mumbledy peg in the backyard with it. So you got to have places for stuff in the kitchen. Mainly in our kitchen, I'm bothered by the fact that a lot of our places are not well-defined. They're kind of like haphazard. Like we don't have the correct shelving and everything to contain everything. So there's, there's a little bit of piling inside the cabinets that <sighs> I find slightly bothersome. There's, yeah. It's an order to the pile. The other thing is, with kitchen stuff, I definitely want there to be a place, and I am bothered by the piling, but I'm also usually the one to push for reconsidering. Yes, I know this item has always been in this place, but let's consider whether it deserves this place in terms of how often do we actually use it, or you know, could we could we reshuffle things? That, that, that's practically my hobby. Pra- that's practically my hobby, thinking about that. Like, like, like if something's changed, we're like, you know, here's one for you. The way your kid, in my case, one kid, your two kids, the way one of your kids has a very, very slight change in taste about food could have a vast impact on the kitchen. Because guess what? Like, like if you're like right now, my daughter uh, blessedly enjoys drinking water. So there's always so many of these mason jar type things around. Like at the times when she's into pasta, man, that colander better be where it needs to be. Because I'm going to do that like once a day, probably. You know what I'm saying? So like if you don't occasionally, I don't know if refactor is the way, or at least re- reconsider like what gets priority here? Like if I if there's something that I have to use more than once a day and I have to move something to get to it, like I start getting a little bit crazy about it. And that's where like the, you know, it, it sort of is in conflict with the notion of that's where this thing has always been, like the tradition, like they, you know, the, the rigid minded sort of stereotype of like, Oh, if you if you have a place for everything, it must mean that nothing can ever be moved, and the calendar is always here, and it will always be there forever. It's like no, like that's not those don't you know wanting to have a place for everything is one thing, but the setup has to evolve because if it doesn't evolve, you, it just becomes increasingly inefficient as your life changes around it. Because your life will change, but if you say no, this is just always where the calendar goes, and at a certain point, you know you become gluten intolerant, you never have pasta, or you never use like just yeah. but, but that's where the calendar goes. It doesn't make any sense. You can't. You got have to evolve it. And I was thinking of this when you're talking about showering. The way you take a shower has evolved over your life, too. I would imagine. I don't think we're all taking showers in the exact same order and sequence as we did when we were 10 years old. I could talk about this all night because there's actually so many things that have changed, including let's let's do some crazy ones. The kinds of product you use because your hair has changed. Now you're a big boy and you shave. Well, guess what? Somebody else. Now there's two people shaving. How do we deal with the razors? The kinds of products that you use might change. Like it's really different. Are you? Did you used to be a shampoo and conditioner person, and now you're like just a little bit of Neutrogena type person? Like I feel that man. There's so many ways. Oh, you got a kid now. Oh, so you got the rubber cup thing in there so you can wash hair. Like, but like even if eighty percent of what you pack from trip to trip is identical, you still would never pack the same. Like for going to Colorado versus going to Florida. Like that would sound crazy. Well, then why why would you have your freaking house be unchanged in that kind of situation? You know, in this case, your shower. When you first get off the baby stuff, though, that's strange. We had remnants of baby life, like, all throughout for so long. For example, the thing we used to wash her hair when she was literally an infant is still in our shower. Because I love it. It reminds me of her being little. But we also used it to, like, rinse it out and stuff. But, like, stuff like, I think we finally took, you know, I couldn't even tell you if our last piece of baby proofing has been removed. First, you get the easy stuff, like, oh, my God, these cabinet things are killing me. But, like, we had a thing, one of those you-can't-turn-the-doorknob things in our closet that I think I I took out. 
Well, I I just kept living with it, and then like six months ago, I took it off. Oh no, that would never last. I hate those things with passion. Although on the other hand, the cabinet thingy is still on our undersink, the one that's under our sink. You know where all like, the cleaning yeah, supplies are. The poison. Still, <laughs> it's still on that one. Although at this point, it's so worn out that I don't think it actually stops anybody from doing anything. But I think about removing it every once in a while. Uh, we still have sippy cups. Oh, like the Tupperware ones where the lid goes on top. I know. And you would think you don't need the nurse, but they've still they still proven their utility because my daughter is still in the spilling phase of her life, which apparently will never end. Do you and take it out wants, and menace her? Do you menace her with it? No, she <laughs> wants to drink something in the in the TV room or and it's not water, or even if it is water, or willing to let her do it, and just slap this sippy cup top on there and it just really helps with the spilling problems. It really it prevents the possibility of one oops oh you're talking about the semi-disposable like you get a red colored one with the plastic lid and it, no, it's, it's got the tape it's a, tupper, it's a tupperware cup it's a very it's a small cup with like a, it flares out at the top and yeah, you snap yeah. on the top of it a white tupperware thing okay. that, that comes to a little point i was thinking a bunch of, of like a tommy tippy like a weighted like no, baby no, no, cup no, no. no i right. wish that's what I, that's what i switched it to glass tumblers like big wide bottom glass tumblers uh at the dinner table because they're harder to tip over because she's in tipping phase I'm tempted to get her like the kind of thing that a 90s villain would drink scotch out of in a 90s movie. Like a big square. like Yeah, this... that's what you need. Lots of weight yeah. on the bottom. Hard to knock over. Low down. Holds a lot of milk. You know, you're good to go. Okay, we're uh, running pretty long here. You got two options, buddy. You can either, we can do leftovers really quickly or we could. Okay. It's pretty like late. We, I think we've gone too long. I think we have to. It's just too much. It's too much show. We gotta, we gotta push it off. I'm I sorry, everybody. I, see, I blame Merlin is... because he, Merlin had this what? whole big spiel in the beginning, like, oh, I haven't caught up on. Uh, I have. I don't remember anything about it. We can talk oh about it, God. but I'll just have to wing it. And okay, no, no, go. All sorts of excuses. Go. No, we don't have time. We're two I'm hours exhausted. In I got here. four and a half hours of sleep last night. I'm exhausted. No, two, I have not two, watched the show. Two hours now do in. It. Do it. Do it's the show. Do the show. Here, it's a thousand no. degrees in this room. Thousand degrees. We're pushing it off for till the next show. Has she been walking the dog this whole time? It'll give probably it will give you enough time to refresh your memory. By the time we do record, I will have forgotten everything, but I find that no barrier to discussing it, so it'll be fine. Yeah, we gotta we gotta wrap this one up. We'll we we'll be back. We will make our triumphant return, and we will eventually talk about leftover season three. Everybody's but, homework. <laughs> if you want to be ready yeah, for the next time, watch one actress, and we'll discuss one actress <laughs> on right. our show. <laughs> 